0: Rangers and residents of Silver Hills, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I am your host, Grav, and with me is my lovely comrade, Kennedy. Hi,
1: what's up? Hello. (laughs) I just got here from the year 3000. (laughs) (laughs) How was it? There was some really cool, shiny suits.
0: Future, <laughs> future. <laughs> Did you see that they get they got rid of the panty raid episode of SpongeBob from being broadcast? Oh, I guess I can see
1: that. <laughs> Looks like the kids
0: will never get invited to the panty raid.
2: <laughs>
0: I still can't believe that episode made it to network television. It was good stuff. Yeah. It was yeah. definitely <laughs> on the
1: edge, though. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, man. So, welcome, everybody, to the Sensai Truther Through Club. Uh, this is a season review episode. Um, so, as you know, we do things differently around here. It's just Kennedy and I, and we vibe, and we critique an entire season of Power Rangers. Typically, episode by episode, but overall, it's more or less like an arc thing now. And uh, just to peel behind the curtain a bit... I want to thank everybody for listening. It looks like we've made it to 100 subscribers. I verified it with Kennedy, and I was like, hey, are these stats gassing us up, or are we like actually like at 110 listeners for the podcast? And Kennedy said that this was better than the previous host. So I'm going to veer on the side of being positive about it and saying, hey, thank you guys for listening. This is awesome.
1: Well, and it's more listeners than that even, but we've got dedicated loyal listeners that's amazing we love you thank you
0: yeah so many people interested in uh, the leftist history
1: of power rangers Uh (laughs) (laughs) the untold socialist story
0: (laughs) what's funny is that i have a friend staying over and they put on a matpat episode from his channel the food theorists and I was going over a little bit about why, like, I don't particularly like Matt Pat. And one of the, it was like the controversy about how, like, he took ownership of the theory that Jon Snow was the son of Rhaegar and Liana Stark, I believe it is. Meanwhile, yep. it was the common theory. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, Yeah, I created the theory. There, I- were, the, there were like
1: three top theories about his lineage and that was one of the three most common theories like it was yeah it was not a huge shock when that was revealed to be the case and anybody who thought they were on to something special no <laughs> like, there were yeah. much more interesting twists that some people were able to predict that was not one of them
0: right 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 well, my wife like countered this by saying, like, you know, if one you, if one of the theories you said on the Sentai Truther Club is proven true, like you guys have demonstrated on the show, then you would pog extremely hard. And I'm like, yeah, but like, if we weren't the inventors of the lore, <laughs> we uh we would definitely not be like taking ownership of it. We would just be like, that's great that the writers actually went through with that whole hog. You know what I'm saying?
1: Yeah. Versus yeah.
0: like. Oh, uh, hey! I definitely, I'm the one that started this. This, I'm the one that started Chuck Norris jokes back in
1: 2004. <laughs> um, I the only prediction that I take strong ownership of is that I posted on the not safe for wonks account a couple of days before Iowa that they would probably drag out the results of Iowa and then give like a sneaky half win to Pete. I don't think anybody called that but me. I just want to say that.
0: (laughs) Damn, Kennedy. You shocked the nation.
1: (laughs) I didn't even think I was right necessarily. Sometimes I just say pessimistic shit for likes, you know? (laughs) No, but I actually... I do want to say for the record, though, but that was actually a theory that we had even discussed that on a Patreon episode before that, that I had been developing based on certain political factors. There were reasons why I thought that nonsense would happen. And there were a few other people who saw it coming for similar reasons. That said, most people didn't because it was a bizarre thing to say would happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah, I think a lot of people, speaking of the really quickly, speak about the 2020 campaign predictions. I remember I was looking at, see, the thing is, is that it's popular now to be transparent, right? hmm Well, well, everybody's kind of sort of politically active. And so, uh, you have a bunch of these politicians, that will be like, we need to reach this goal in this many days or else we won't be able to make it. So come help the underdog, right? And so, like, you had a bunch of these uh, candidates, like Pete Buttigieg, Klobuchar, Warren, they all had their, like, fundraising bars and goals. And, like, I was was actually going out and checking on those fundraising goals and bars and seeing if it was, like, moving up or anything like that. And I was noticing that, like, Pete's was, like, nowhere near the fundraising goal. And I was like, something's going on because this guy still hasn't dropped out yet. Meanwhile, Kamala <laughs> yeah. Harris did, you yeah. Know? So, yeah, that that's when I knew something suspicious was going to happen. But that's as far as I would go. I would never say that I I would have called like this is like Pete winning the, Iowa,
1: the weirdest episode of Sentai Truther ever so far. Um, <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of emotions and a lot of politics at play in this season. Is yes. I think why we're like this right now. This is a very interesting weird kind of important kind of amazing sometimes not so much season like and of course it's the last one before 9-11 and the tone changes a lot in all of television after 9-11 I remember like um I think it was Alton Brown was the one who talked that I saw talking about um how cooking shows took off after 9-11 in part because It was just a very neutral thing that you could watch without a lot of like weird emotional attachment, you know? Just watch someone make some food and feel good. What people wanted out of media changed a lot. And I think, you know, interestingly, we're kind of in a similar situation right now with the pandemic to some extent. Like a lot of people don't really want certain kinds of media because life itself has been too sort of messed up in certain kinds of ways. And so the desire for like, sure, some people are like have to watch more outbreak media, you know, like horror, virus horror stuff during something like this. But most people watch less. Right. And that's kind of like in nine eleven we had the same kind of thing where like the cultural desire in media suddenly changed immensely and everyone had to try to adapt to it. So this is the last season before they make that huge shift. In the way that they think about the show, it allows this show to really pursue some interesting things as a result and be kind of grim and gritty and strange
0: yeah, I'm, I'm much like you, where I have very mixed feelings about this season, though I'm more grounded in like where I stand about it, uh, mostly because, like, as the season went on, I said like I, I, first of all, I don't live tweet the seasons just because it''s, it's spoilers. <laughs> um, but technically, it's not really indicative of how I feel at the end of all of it, right? Because there's certain seasons where we've reviewed now. Kennedy, we've done like, this is going to be like, I think, episode 33, 34, right? Like, we've watched a lot of Sentai. We've watched a lot of Toku.
2: Yeah, um, a lot.
0: I think at this point, when when we when we're talking about the way these seasons develop and the way these shows develop, nothing's ever for certain. On a, on a way a season goes. Yeah. There's been seasons that we've reviewed now that I've started at like an eight and have like had multiple different like falls and rises and stuff like that as the season courses on. We've had seasons where it had a middling start just to finish off really strong. Um, so mm-hmm. really I I try to come into these seasons with like blank expectations outside of cultural stuff. And maybe, like, some lived memories, but my my Power Rangers memories are very, very limited. I'm 27, going on 28. Kennedy, you're, you're a little bit older than me. Mm-hmm. And so, like, this is a long-ass time ago when we enjoyed that thing. So I don't really have as much nostalgia, and it's varying into the era of me not having any nostalgia outside of, like, one or two odd seasons, right? Like, I've talked yeah. about Dino Charge with my son, and then I've also, like... Mystic Force, I think, is one that's coming up that I have quite a bit of memories with. But that's not to say that those memories were necessarily positive either.
1: (laughs) (laughs) This is the end of my nostalgia, interestingly. Like, this is the exact end of it because Time Force was around the time I was kind of aging out of wanting to watch this exact sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And I had already been sort of only sporadically watching you know, leading up to this. Like, I, I was no longer, like, watching every time it was on. You know what I mean? So, Time Force, yeah. like, I just have these little shreds of, like, I would occasionally tune in and watch, like, Power Rangers Time Force, but just because it was on, basically.
0: Yeah, I, I struggled with scheduling. That, that that was the thing. Like, I, I couldn't keep up with Power Rangers because of the schedule of when it would play the episodes. So, like, sometimes it would play the episodes too close to when I had to go to school, for example. So like I've missed out. I kept missing out on like some of the good stuff from back then too. So it was kind of like in and out. But like I think in terms of this season, I I told you ahead of time this is going to be a season where when we talk about it, we're gonna like it more than we think we do. Um, yeah. I still think, and maybe my 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 mind will change. I'm, and I've been known to change my mind as the as a as we record about certain things, especially about Ranger sure. rankings for sure. Sure. Um. But, like, I'm willing to say right now, as it stands, having watched, without talking to you extensively about it, with watching what I've watched and how I've thought about it, I think I was right in giving Lightspeed Rescue a 10. And I think I was also kind of right with my prediction of it not going to be as good as Lightspeed. And I think you can agree to at least with me, I think, on the second half. Maybe. I think we'll we'll see. I, we'll see how it goes. But I think
1: I'm I conflicted. Think- We'll talk about it,
0: I think the thing is about this season is is that the quality is not as high as light speed, but the content is like a foot deeper in like what it what sort of like stuff it it treads, right? What sort of like uh yeah, topics it treads
1: i I have complicated thoughts. About whether or not it's better or worse than light speed, because it certainly hit some notes better and worse in certain respects, and it's going to come down to some fine lines for me when we get down to the final rating. okay
0: fair enough I unfortunately I'm also at the point i'm not sure I don't think you've watched Wild Force yet, but I also will give some context in saying that I did watch the first two episodes the light, wild Force and uh It's sad. (laughs) That's that's all I'm going to say so far.
1: It's sad. Let's not get into it, but uh, (laughs) I'm scared. I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so Time Force begins with Force from the Future, which we covered in our first episode of this arc with Carl Zah. It was uh, an amazing episode, and uh, also the intro was really incredible. We varied a little bit on how incredible we thought it was to some extent, but we all agreed it was a very impressive thing.
0: Yes. Uh, I think my my clearest explanation on it is that they took as many risks as they did in Lost Galaxy, but in this case, it paid off. And it seems like they learned a lot from the, the Lost Galaxy season.
1: Yeah, it's a high concept intro... There's a lot on the line in terms of, like, the storytelling and stuff. And for the most part, it works pretty well. Um, I think we agreed the only thing that severely let it down was the slightly soap opera acting that kind of hit in some scenes and kind of missed in others. But uh, I still thought it was pretty much the best Power Rangers intro we've seen. I gave it a 10. It definitely hit us just in a lot of the right places and set expectations high, which was a little unfortunate because this had kind of the problem of some other seasons where the intro is hype and then it sort of falls off for a while. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I mean, it's kind of a little bit more complicated than that because something to fight for we talked about in the best and worst, it was our pick for worst episode. Like in my review, I think it was like an eight and a half to like, going straight down to, like, a three or four. Yeah. It's just like, holy shit. Like, what? But thankfully, you know, the trajectory keeps going forward because basically the main A-plot up until, I would say, Quantum Quest is establishing the Rangers, but not in the same way as they did, like, Mighty Morphin and Lightspeed. It Mm -hmm. was more like they did in in space slash lost galaxy where it's the red ranger has this sort of trauma or needs to prove themselves as a leader and then there's other inter-party dynamics that are also going on with the rangers as the other rangers are kind of separated from the red ranger in their plot threads and then they have to like mesh it all together and in this case it's kind of a sort of it's mostly pink ranger stuff it's pink and red in this first sort of uh, third of the season mm-hmm. and it focuses on the relationship between Jen losing her, her fiance in the first episode of the show and getting over that sort of death in her life. Yeah. Um, And processing that grief. Meanwhile, working with, with someone who looks exactly like him, but with different hair.
1: Yeah. These early episodes waver a little, but they show a certain amount of promise. And, at the time that I watched some of them, I was kind of like, eh, whatever about, like, a lot of, like, the first, like, I don't know, five or six episodes. But then when I, like, went went back and, like, rewatched some snippets of some of them and, like, really thought about it, it was, like, really only a few of the episodes were truly offensive, like, something to fight for. And actually, a lot of these early episodes did a really good job of making you care about the characters in a way that the Power Rangers has sometimes failed to do, even in its best seasons. Um, in space, of course, had this aspect where we saw a lot of daily life of the Rangers on the ship, hanging out, eating breakfast, talking about things that they wanted to do, reminiscing about people that they missed, just, just living Yeah. Time Force starts to set this up right away. And even though it takes a few episodes to iron out the sort of how this is going to work, I think the payoff is really rewarding when we have the Rangers in the clock tower, working together as a team, living in this sort of crazy like Disney set, you know? (laughs) Um, and, and, And just sort of like being a family that's Really neat, and yeah, when it finally, like I say, when it finally starts to pay off, I think the payoff is really strong. Um, yeah, I, think- I, I
0: was considering talking about the payoff a little bit more, but I'm gonna save it for later. Uh, I do think, though, that the reason there is an explanation as to the reason why they act the way they do, where they're kind of cold and stilted, but uh, it's not something that I'm willing to talk about just yet in this part of the season. <laughs> but i still don't think that it makes for good tv is what i'm going to say um because i do think that jen jen like i've said overacts quite a bit and then the rest of the rangers in this period of time are just kind of wooden but and it's especially apparent in the blue ranger but there's a reason for it but at the same time too it's like yeah dog like i get that there's a lore reason behind the reason why you're <laughs> acting that doesn't mean that it makes for good on-screen entertainment, right? It's like, it's like uh, you know, how Hollywood kind of dramatizes certain events just to, you know, add that movie magic and up the suspense and stuff like that. It's like yeah. you kind of needed a little more of that uh, in, yeah. this, in this instance. But I think you're right in a sense that towards the end, you're kind of like this was justified in the way that they did it. And that considering everything that they had to juggle, this is crazy that they were able to land as well as they did.
1: I think it's like it's around future unknown where I think you start to get the payoff a little bit. Yeah, Like up till then, it's kind of like these characters are a little weird, the acting slightly off at times and like. It, this isn't necessarily always super relatable or super appealing to watch these characters have these like kind of awkward interactions, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, it, it does, like I say, a Future Unknown is the episode, the 10th episode of the season. That, that was a uh,
0: Yellow Ranger-focused episode. Yep. Really underperformed. I, I, I don't know if I would say that, I, I forget her name, Katie. hmm She doesn't get enough screen time, but... I don't even. I think it's kind of like a rocky situation where she's just like the screen time that she does gets kind of just not good. So it's kind of just like, eh. It's not as yeah. bad as Rocky. Can you clear, to be clear, clarify.
1: This wasn't like a best sub episode or anything, but this is just where things start to pay off. Yeah. Um, and even if Katie is like a little mediocre, it was still nice to have a Katie focused episode, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. What am I um, fighting
0: for?
1: Uh, she definitely had
0: one of those like
1: Mega Man Zero moments <laughs> 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 you know, it's all about it's all about her family
0: yeah I mean like <laughs> it was definitely like a Days of Future Past uh, Cable-esque like sort of situation but uh, yeah, man the way that that was filmed was uh, very <laughs> man I could I could chop that cheddar wheel in half um <laughs> Um, Yeah, it's uh, definitely some cheese, but it was a really good episode. I remember Futures Unknown and Worlds Apart was like kind of sort of a two-parter. And those were really good. Before we get a little bit into that, though, I do want to mention two more things. One is that, well, three more things, actually. Rancic Lives. This involves the intro to Rancic. Rancic has a really strong story. Rancic is a being that's born from, like, failed human DNA in the future. Think yeah, like so Krypton.
1: It's essentially thing. like they've perfected like human development sort of. And like for the most part all the babies have perfect genes, you know, no weird genetic flaws whatever. But right. then it produces this byproduct, this unwanted byproduct which is rancic. Um <laughs> And it's it's kind of funny that it's, like, a literal, like, bad guy that it produces. But it's a very good metaphor, actually. It's, like, it's kind of like a Captain Planet thing, almost, or something, you know?
0: Yes, actually. <laughs> very, like, the culmination of, like, an end-of-history-style villain.
1: But I thought it was, like, it, it's a it's a good commentary. Because it's, like, we can try to sort of push all of the problems of society away but are we really creating a perfect society for everyone or are we throwing certain people aside right like that's fundamentally the question that rancic asks as a villain and uh that's that's amazing what an awesome fucking villain like to 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 have such a philosophical set of motivations and everything and Uh, It's very high drama in a lot of ways. Um, Rancic is amazing. Um, Nadira is amazing. Frax is amazing. The villains this season are just absolutely perfect in so many ways. Like It's just a really incredible, a lot of things coming together and making amazing things happen with those plots.
0: Yeah, Rancic is uh, the greatest villain we've had so far it's easy to say that right off the bat like you can just tell from rancic lives um
1: and nadira as like his kind of overly spoiled to the extent that she doesn't really understand the things that like got rancic to be the person that he is and she just kind of enjoys the criminal lifestyle because it's glamorous for her like that could be a weak plot and instead it's strong as hell because they bring it with the writing and she brings it with the acting you know um and it's like it's very much like she's the rich fail daughter you know and like he's like the guy that built the corporation out of nothing you know in his garage and like wants her to like appreciate all the hard work that goes into this stuff. And she's just like, what are you talking about? Let's buy some cool shit. (laughs) You know? (laughs) Yeah. yeah. And again, it's not shallow. That's not, it could be shallow, but it's not like Nadira is a completely realized and complex character that gets more complex as the season goes. But her like slight detachment from the reality of everything, like all the wrongs that they're doing is super important. Yes.
0: And I think in terms of like uh Rancic also has a more of a body count.
1: <laughs>
0: yeah. Yeah, so like it's it's a rant Rancic's badass. Like just plain plain and simple Rancic's badass. It was a great episode. It was in the running for one of the best episodes I would say of the season. So it was a really strong. That's when I was just like what is this season? Like, we go from, like, an 8.5 to a 10, like, around that range, immediately into, like, a 3, and then right back to, like, a 9 or something, right? Like, a 9 or a 10. So it's just, it's really weird. But then we get hit with a blue streak. Uh, This episode was originally not a part of the filler guide, according to nerds out there. But um, unfortunately, I have out-nerded them all because... It's a huge plot development. Like the yep. fact that the Blue Ranger is a professional race car driver in the year three thousand is a plot point that gets brought up twice in the show in relevant plot mm-hmm. episodes. And you're just gonna yeah. miss out on it completely because there's no episode that like does flashbacks or callbacks, that stuff. Nah. So And this yeah. is
1: really necessary because Lucas doesn't get enough development, especially early on. If you don't include this and really like if if you just watch and cut this episode out, you're going to feel like "Eh, Lucas is whatever. And if you watch this one, you'll feel like, okay, Lucas is a complicated whatever. (laughs) Yeah, he's (laughs) maybe the world of him, but he's interesting. See, the thing is,
0: is that this is in direct comparison with the Blue Ranger episode in Lightspeed. Because that's the one that immediately proceeds before it. And that one was just a fucking karate flick in 20 minutes. And this one is just kind of like... Driving's cool, fighting is cooler. <laughs> also,
1: it's like, it's a little bit after school special.
0: Yeah, but it's still a good episode, it's, it's like touch. an 8. It is, yeah, it's, it's not It's not bad, it's just like one and- of those things where it's like... Yeah, dog, like, Lightspeed did this better, and it's kind of unfair,
1: actually. (laughs) Yeah, it's, it's, it is good, though. Yeah, yeah. It does make you, like I say, it makes you kind of take a second look at Lucas, realize there's something more to him.
0: I think Um, Jen's um, overacting kind of culminates in Jen's revenge is probably the last thing that I was going to mention. So, like, Jen's revenge involves a villain that betrayed the Time Force. Uh, from the future. And Jen, and that that was captured, then obviously got released by Rancic. And the ex-officer doesn't want to work for Rancic, but does want to kill the Pink Ranger. And so he's out to get her, and then she has to contend with the fact of not wanting to kill him, yeah. <laughs> essentially, for the betrayal that he committed. And yeah. it's, a, it's a very important and emotional episode in Jen's character development, because yeah. not only is she dealing with all of this grief, But now she also has to deal with an ex-best friend, too, that seemingly rose back from the grave, so to speak.
1: Yeah, it's a complex episode. I think it's kind of good, even with, like, some slight misses from Jen. We're going to talk more about this, but I really forgive a little of the overacting because Jen is really taking on a monumental task in this show in terms of, like, Right now, it's like, in episode, well, in the intro, I don't know if it's episode one or episode two, but in the intro, her fiancé dies. She immediately meets Wes, who looks exactly like her fiancé, but is kind of this spoiled, shitty version of him.
0: I got one question for you, Kennedy. Yeah, go ahead. Can you name any actress in the year 2001 that would have been able to pull this off on the silver screen?
1: Oh, God, I don't know. (laughs)
0: <laughs> that's what uh, i'm trying I, to think right like i can't i can't imagine any white actress during that time that would have been able to to
1: pull that off in the time in the contemporary like I, that's the thing is i think it, in its time i don't think it necessarily read is overacting even i think to like further build on what you're saying like i don't think that I don't think that that red is like way over the top in its time i think pretty much anyone who took that part would have acted it about the same because of the expectations of what like drama especially like daytime drama television was like back then yeah you know yeah so i think i i think overall she does a remarkable job and i think this episode it's like yes there's a few scenes where it's like that's a little over that's a little soap opera but at the same time, like, what is she grappling with? Oh, just extreme trauma and like insane stuff, you know. Like, it's we've really never seen a ranger go through this much. We just haven't. And so, I, 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 I forgive this episode and some of these other episodes early on a little bit because this is incredible storytelling that is is so ambitious.
0: <laughs> yeah. I agree. The main B-plot of the show is the Red Ranger contending with the fact that his father is the owner of Raytheon. And so he feels like he has to collaborate with him sometimes because he needs help as a Power Ranger to take on the evil forces. And the father just sees profit incentive and everything. And so this kind of like comes to a head in Worlds Apart where they split off from that point where he's like pretty much no longer relying on his father in terms of like anything and then like an exact disagreement of how his father approaches things. Yeah. And so we end up getting introduced this character named Eric, who's a part of the Silver Guardians. And Eric is the ex best friend of Wes. So Eric has Eric is probably the best well, Sixth ranger.
1: I just have to stop you for a second before we even get into how good of a six ranger he is and say, it's not exactly clear if they were best friends or like best frenemies. So
0: <laughs> it was kind of like, I think Eric, Eric doesn't have good views on friendship because Eric comes, Eric comes from a poor working class family who's had to like big brain his way through like scholarships and stuff to get to rich people's schools. And because he's a racial minority, they're like, we can prop him up as a tool for capitalism being a, being a way for racial minorities to get freedom in this world or whatever.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no, this is definitely a case of Eric was allowed to attend schools that were sort of above his economic station or whatever, but he never felt like he belonged. And so Wes is this like actual, like, snotty white rich kid to some extent who comes along acting like he wants to be his friend and eric has trouble believing it because he just to him it's like no you guys are all in this club and like you're just pretending to include me right now because you have to right i mean Um, there was
0: like literally like a rich kid that went up to wes invited him into a party and then completely dismissed eric
1: yeah whereas on the other hand though of course wes was that one kid who is sincere. Yeah, um, and and actually was trying to like be better than th- his peers, but Eric couldn't trust it because there's too much racial distrust and too much economic distrust when you come from a background like that, you know?
0: Yeah, and Eric
1: That's so different.
0: Eric does the whole like poor kid around rich rich people like rich Ooh. people type thing of like just trying to like trying to kiss ass to try and move up. That's literally what he does with the father, with Wes's dad, where he just sucks him up like constantly to try and get the commander position. Yep. Um so he can get higher social status and higher economic status. And on top of that, it's the dichotomy between Wes and Eric's character where Eric started from nothing and had to pretty much kiss ass and work mad hard to climb up the socio-economic ladder. Whereas West was literally gifted everything from birth. West was gifted riches. Rest was gifted access mm-hmm. to people who were in his social class and in his economic class where he can enjoy the fruits of the, being a part of that class while also coming into the Power Rangers and essentially mm-hmm. being gifted a team, being gifted it- the ability to lead a team right from the get because he, what, has qualities innate to him like it's in his DNA. It's that whole nature versus like sort of nurture thing, mm-hmm. and it that's the that's the sort of dichotomy between the two that face off in the season.
1: Yeah, it reminds me of the first part of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, actually. Yeah, where you have uh, you know this spoiled rich kid who is a spoiled rich kid, but actually does have good intentions also, and you have this. You know, this kid who comes from the working class family and really does have all of this deserved trauma, but is also like behaving worse than they need to at times. And that's what we get out of Eric a lot is like, Eric, you don't have to be this much of a shit, my guy. But he's like, I don't know. I think I want capitalists to love me like. (laughs) Yeah. And it's he wonderful. Likes that, it's
0: so it's, hardcore, yeah.
1: It's it's fucking great. Like this is, this is the most adversarial relationship we've had. Well, it's not honestly the most, but it's the most well realized adversarial relationship with the six ranger we've had. We've had a couple of other adversarial six rangers. Um, the Magna Offender is, of course, the most obvious one, where it was very adversarial with him at first. Until he becomes, you know, the brother and blah, blah.
0: Yeah, I feel like this is like Magna Defender, but without all the weird shit. Yeah, because too
1: much of Magna Defender's shit didn't make sense. Like his Muppet son, his (laughs) Muppet Megazord son. (laughs) Yeah. Which you're like, you're trying to give it the weight that it deserves because it is this kind of weighty thing, but you're also like, this is dumb. Like they cut all that. There's nothing. There's nothing goofy about Eric's disposition, the th- decisions that he makes, or his backstory. It's all very serious, and and it pays off because you the can person have this... you
0: hate just became a Power Ranger.
1: Yeah, your, your <laughs> least favorite person is Power Ranger now. Yeah, it's like Quantum it's like if, it's like if you and me and three other awesome leftists podcasters were power rangers and then it's like oh six rangers dave rubin oh, and we're just no. like what the fuck what are you saying to us right now <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> but that's like what they're dealing with basically right yeah eric yeah, would probably is. describe himself as a classical liberal when you meet him <laughs> <laughs> um and what's cool too is he's red What could be more perfect? What could be more perfect than this guy who is going to be this sort of foil that ultimately helps Wes be the best version of himself, which is also really important, and that he's also red? Holy shit.
0: Yep. The same shade of red. The only sixth ranger to be the same shade of red as the red ranger. And he has, like, the the Quantum Ranger design. I'm not too big of a fan of because it's just the... It's like a I'm you but cooler type deal where it just has, like, some jagged edges to the arrow. But
1: the transformation sequence is hog. Very good transformation Quantum power! I do like the Quantum Ranger outfit. It's just not... I think the issue is that as much as this red thing makes for an incredible dramatic set piece it's just not the same as like the gold ranger from zeo or something like that where the second they walk on screen you're just pogging because they look amazing like eric is amazing because he's a complex character not because his suit stands out from the crowd you know
2: yeah <laughs>
1: <laughs> so it's a very different experience in in many ways but it's it's awesome it's it is. so awesome. We talked about Worlds Apart a bunch in The Best and Worst, of course. Clash for Control. Cool. That
0: has to do with the Quantum Rangers Megazord, right?
1: Yeah. It's a two-parter, too.
0: I love that Megazord, I gotta say. The Six Ranger Megazord is probably, like, top three? Maybe top two. It's yeah, just, so this I think is... it's maybe okay. not in terms of design, but, like, in terms of on-screen presence... The Quantum Ranger's Megazord is, like, unmatched. Like, the shit that they do with that Megazord is wild on screen.
1: Also, the lore for the quantum powers is really important. We talked about this a little in the best and worst, but this also really comes into play in this episode. So, they accidentally, and this is, this is funny, as we mentioned before, they accidentally sent a Morpher and a Zord back in time, and then were just like, well, I guess it's gone, um, and didn't do anything about it. And that's where we get the quantum ranger powers. So it's sort of understood by the Rangers that this Quantasaurus Rex exists. But Eric doesn't even actually know about it at first. Because like the company that acquired it, like, you know, they that acquired these powers, uh, Wes's dad's Raytheon ass company, the Silver <laughs> Guardians, you know, they 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 didn't like Know what they were getting their hands on. They just knew it was powerful, basically, you know, Mm -hmm. one of those situations. So they don't really know everything about it. Whereas the Rangers by this time have been told the secret history of the quantum powers. So there's this brief moment in time that culminates here where like Rancic and the Rangers know more about the Quantasaurus Rex than Eric does. But Eric fucking wants it. (laughs) yep (laughs) eric
0: sees it as a power grab
1: well and it's a way to solidify his place in the silver guardians right Mm because like he originally wasn't gonna get these powers or get to be like the commander necessarily he definitely has a sense a few times throughout the season but definitely this episode is one of them you see this sense in him of like trying to kind of prove himself worthy so that like he gets trusted with like the power long term and forever and more power etc yep yep honestly this is some of the shit that makes me really love this season i feel like in light speed and in in space And to an extent, Lost Galaxy, although that one's so much more messy, I don't even really want to talk about it. But, like, uh, Lightspeed and In Space both kind of, like, wanted to touch on this political side of Power Rangers. And then, like, a lot of times kind of shied away from really realizing it. Like, imagine how pog it would have been in Lightspeed if that devious general had been, like, a recurring character that was sometimes good and sometimes bad you know or something yeah. like that like like that's the kind of shit that we get from this season yeah and yeah. and with like the silver guardians and eric um we get a lot of that but also with the time rangers we get a lot of that too um their bosses aren't telling them everything uh, you know like that's a that's a big common theme this season um, is that they're getting information when they quote unquote need to know it, and not a minute before. Sometimes, that need to know it determined time uh, is you know better for their bosses than it is for them.
0: <laughs> right? Yeah. And like, I feel like Eric, even with the introduction of him and him going into the Quantum Quest and uh, Clash for Control and getting these power ups, it's like, yeah, I hate him, but he pulls it off on the acting really well i feel like this is the sixth ranger that we were promised since in space yeah right like proto eric is zane from in space zane a Uh, top
1: tier 90s name yeah for sure (laughs) so you had
0: zane you had Magna defender and then you had the titanium ranger all three of those involved and You know, messy attempts, I think, on all three. I think we were probably the most positive on Zane. Um, Titanium Ranger, we were also pretty cool, but it was more or less like he wasn't on screen that much because they realized how bad of an actor he was. Uh, (laughs) But his introduction was really strong. But, like, all the elements that worked for all three of those culminated in the Eric character, and Eric pulled it off. Yes.
1: Yeah. Truly. And and you can't help but root for him to some extent. In that perfect way, you know, whereas like Zane at times you were just like, I don't want to root for this guy. I don't like him. Um, and the Titanium Ranger, you never really felt like you didn't want to root for him, but sometimes you just weren't interested in him. Uh, and also like the Titanium Ranger didn't have that relatable aspect that Eric does where like, I just think a lot of it's really easy to see yourself in Eric's struggles. It's really easy to see yourself in... This person who isn't trying to do the wrong thing, um, but is, (laughs) you know, Um, even though they think they're doing everything right. This is really Aristotelian in a lot of ways. Like this is this is like Eric's character is like a perfect example of Aristotelian good and evil logic. There is no such thing as evil. There's just good that's gotten confused along the way. And that's Eric. He is not evil. He thinks he's doing good things. He thinks yes. he's doing good things for himself. He thinks he's doing good things for the planet. Like, he really thinks he's the hero in his story. And you can, you, especially a few episodes in, you can see why he feels this way about himself, even though he's wrong. That's really compelling to learn. Yep. hmm hmm
0: Next up, we have Bodyguard in Blue, which is another Lucas-focused episode.
1: I think this is where Lucas really shines, actually, in some ways in terms of the acting. Yeah. There
0: is one part, though, where he goes, time for? Time force! And I'm like, dog. No. Could (laughs) have put a little bit more emotion in that one. (laughs) 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 But yeah, overall, it was a pretty strong episode for Lucas. What exactly happened in this one again?
1: This one starts with uh, there's like that press conference. This is like the first time it's officially announced that Eric is leading the Silver Guardians. Like, because again, like, uh, Eric was not offered the job originally when he asked for it um, in response to the fact that Wes had clearly turned it down. And so Eric just kind of stepped up and said, hey, Mr. Collins, what about me? Mr. Collins was like, no, um, but then Eric gets a hold of the quantum powers, and a lot of things go down. And Eric continues to sort of prove himself to a certain extent. And so, and also, Mr. Collins and Wes are not able to patch things up at all. in In the meantime, so at this point, Mr. Collins has like made his decision, and he says that Eric's in charge. And also, we're gonna we're gonna. Study the quantum powers and create powerful new weapons for the Silver Guardians. The Rangers are concerned. <laughs> they watch mm-hmm. the press conference from the tower, and they're like, "This is, seems bad." Um, <laughs> it's one of those situations where, like, they're like rushing risky research too fast, and there's like this uh, doctor whose name I can't remember, who is a little bit important to the episode, who is like sort of enthusiastic but also like he plays a little bit of a foil to mr collins at certain points and i don't—he's an interesting minor character for the episode what is his name dr something
0: dr zaskins
1: dr zaskin yeah that's i was like <laughs> z maybe there we go yeah Zaskin. <laughs> and like we get to see like a little bit of like dr zaskin's like home life in this episode and all kinds of stuff like it's a he he really gets played up as a B character for this episode. <laughs> this
0: is the Doctor Zaskin episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> it's kind of you don't always get a lot of like side characters for like one-off episodes that get this much treatment. This is a funny thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> so Doctor Zaskin is like having like a normal time with his family, and then. He gets attacked while he's with his daughter by cyclobots. And his daughter hides. She
0: escapes. And then she tries to hire Lucas. And she's like trying to persuade Lucas that like, hey, my story is true. Like my dad did get kidnapped by a bunch of cyclobots. And she and he's all like, yeah, right. You know, typical adults not believing kids type thing. My recollections of this episode is that it's it's good. It's not bad, but it's no like Omega Project.
1: No. Right? It is a very complex episode that, like, manages to cram a lot into a short time. I think it mostly, like, I, I'm trying to think if, like, Lucas was better.
0: Would this have made it the episode better?
1: I don't think so. Because I even though it's a Lucas-focused episode, ultimately, like, he doesn't actually get tons of interesting development. Mm. Like, in the writing itself. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Makes um, sense. Makes sense.
0: I was just more or less like, yeah, I remember this being an all right episode, but then I'm like, I also remember really liking Lucas in this, but at the same time, too, don't remember too much else.
1: (laughs) It's like, it's this sort of interesting fight between Lucas, who can be like a little bit of a hard ass and this like, you know, Dr. Zaskin's daughter, who like at one point is like threatening to get him in some kind of trouble basically but they end up patching it up by the end (laughs) and she's like she's like i won't i won't like uh make any trouble for you or like tell people who you are (laughs) because she's literally like i'm gonna turn your ass in tell the whole world you're the blue ranger and you suck
0: (laughs) (laughs) she uses extortions that way she can get her her dad saved smart kid smart kid The next one after this one is Trust and Triumph. This has to do with the morally right thing to do isn't necessarily the legally right thing to do.
1: Yes. Yeah, it's a very fascinating episode.
0: So in this episode, Jen tells Wes to guard the back of a bank so the rangers can cut off Nadira's escape route. By the way, Nadira, she's bad. Like... (laughs) She's out here, like, robbing banks and shit willy-nilly, not giving a fuck.
1: (laughs) Yeah, she doesn't give a fuck at all. It's amazing. Um, Yeah. (laughs) Nadira is awesome. I love her design. I love her attitude. The actress is perfect. And, yeah, Nadira literally, so many episodes start with a plot. It's, like, if Rancic is up to something, it's, like... And this is actually a great dynamic for the show because it gives them a really good way to do episodes that are slightly more filler and episodes that are a little bit more plot without it feeling, like, weird. Is that, like, when Rancic actually has a plan, then, like, they do something, like, the, the villains do something big. But otherwise, it's, like, the Power Rangers are out there because is just robbing banks and shit. You know? Yeah. <laughs>
0: She's just committing petty theft,
1: <laughs> <laughs> just buying expensive jewelry. <laughs> she you loves know, it, man. It's the pleasantries of
0: living in two thousand and one.
1: It really, no, I, I really want to just emphasize that 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 is a very clever way to break that stuff up with the villain plots.
0: Yeah, it's a good palate cleanser.
1: Yeah. And like Nadira in her own right is developing as a character all throughout these episodes in small ways. So it's not like, oh, when it's a Nadira episode, it's purely filler for the villains. It just means that the villains aren't working on any major plots right now and that they're just doing their usual thing of Nadira Robin banks. Like it just works really well. I love the villains so much this season. (laughs) Yeah, I agree. The
0: villains this season are really good.
1: We're Um, also starting to enter their best arc, which is part of why I'm gloating about them is because, well, I mean, it's been building since the very beginning, but like, we've basically entered the arc where the villains are at the forefront of a lot of the plots and that includes Frax.
0: Yeah. And so uh, at the bank, the Silver Guardians show up and Wes tries to deal with them, giving Nadira a chance to escape. Wes goes up to Eric and is just like, hey, get the fuck out of here. I'm trying to fucking, like, do something. And he's like, no, dude. Like, (laughs) I'm hired by the bank to be here. And Wes is like, get the fuck out, man. I'm, like, trying to fucking get Nadira. And so uh, in doing that, uh, Nadira gets out of there and makes an escape. And so Jen gets upset with Wes and says that she can't trust him. Yeah, Um, because he's getting into petty arguments with Eric this whole time. And I was thinking about this a little bit, and I think Jen's right. Like, sometimes Wes unnecessarily causes conflict when it hasn't been proven yet that the Silver Guardians are going to get in the way, you know? Like, I would think Eric is smarter than that, but this is Uh, like Wes being judgmental.
1: He's not handling things as professionally as he could in these situations, which I think is part of what jen is kind of like trying to get him to snap out of is like you've gotten pretty good at acting like a professional while we're out there being power rangers which keep in mind like the rest of them this is their job so they really do treat it like as professionally as possible but she's like but you lose that professional edge when you're talking to eric you know like, yeah. you stop you stop being that person, and you start being this guy fighting with his childhood friend. And that slows us down, and that causes us additional problems. Like, maybe... I, like, I don't think the implication even is necessarily that they wouldn't be fighting with the Silver Guardians without this, but just that it would be more professional and maybe therefore less of a hassle, you know?
0: Yeah, I think this was a... Uh... This was a very good episode because Wes and Jen also had to come in to address the fact that there's been like this will-they-won't-they they a bit throughout the season. um. And as the season goes on... Uh, that plot gets a little uh, weird. Uh, it gets a little weird about it. I don't know.
1: I, I have mixed I'm feelings. I'm fine with how they resolve it, which we'll get to in a minute, but... There's some steps along the way where you're just like, "Stop, yeah, like it would have been it would have been better for the season had they just truly just been really good friends by the end of it with no weird stuff attached, yeah, and like, like, just emphasize that like Jen, you know, maybe comes to terms with the fact that even though you know he looks like Alex, he's not just. I think that would have been a slightly better story arc in many ways. Overall, the Wes and Jen thing is inoffensive, and sometimes it even sort of pays off, but not very much.
0: Yeah. Still, though, they learn to trust each other and they save the day. Um... Now,
1: on the other hand, and I will say that, like, this plays into this to some extent the Wes versus Jen for leadership, like, aspect of the show is extremely well realized and this is an yes. example of that where Jen frequently has to step in Wes sort of wants to think of himself as the leader because he just thinks he kind of deserves that it seems like you know um, Yeah. Well, why not he's the uh, Red Ranger and Jen frequently <laughs> has to step in and sort of write the course and be like you don't know shit sit down I'm in charge now and uh it's it's often a good dynamic for the show and those a lot of those scenes are really like where jen shines you know because it's kind of like it's kind of like when tj would take charge back in in space like and tj would just sort of like andros would be sort of like either missing or having an emotional meltdown or whatever and tj would just sort of step up and be like all right Shut up, everybody. Here's what we're doing. And he's not do- saying that to be mean. He's just like, like he wants to like keep everything on track. And he's actually coming from a place of pure love. You kind of get some similar vibes off of Jen sometimes where it's like she's telling you off, but not because she's trying to be a jerk, but because she really cares about this mission and the importance right. of everything that they're doing. Right.
0: <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. It's good. Uh, It was a great episode. I thought probably like some one of the better ones, probably like an eight. Damn, I got the munchies. (laughs) (laughs) So the next episode is Trip Takes a Stand. We reviewed this in the best and worst episode with Netscape. And uh, yeah, we really like this episode mostly because it confronts xenophobia. And it was a trip focused episode.
1: Pretty good. Again, this is just one of the most woke episodes we've kind of had.
0: It's explicit. It's explicitly, like, tackling xenophobia head-on. Yes.
1: Very, very direct head-on. Now, that said, there's still a lot of metaphor involved, but the issue itself is not very obfuscated. It's pretty direct and head-on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's Overall, it's just a really solid episode. Um, there's a couple of moments where it kind of falters just in terms of acting, but the plot is so good in terms of the messaging and everything that it elevates it beyond what it would normally be like. Next, we headed to uh, Quantum Secrets. This is another Eric-focused <laughs> episode where they're focusing
1: on the Quantum Morpher and the Q-Rex. It's time for another battle pack battle mode yep. whatever it's Attacks. a
0: battleizer
1: Battleizer. that's the yeah <laughs> yeah so
0: eric gets the battleizer first before wes yes and this one has rollerblades it's pretty sick honestly it's very like uh it's you the know, best
1: battleizer so far um don't you think
0: in terms of like this episode or in terms of like
1: like, in terms of, like... Because I think
0: previous... Wes's is better.
1: No, no, I'm saying in terms of, like, uh, previous seasons of the Power Rangers.
0: Yes, I think they finally were like, okay, we're not gonna do the superhero action thing, and we're not gonna do the tank. I'm a walking tank. So then let's do, like, this uh, exports type deal.
1: Yeah. it's a li- It's still, like, a, like, kind of... Slightly chunky in a way that you know makes you look kind of like sort of cool and strong and whatever, but it's like overall, it's like a way slimmer design um, and just like very cool and kind of you know, futuristic and not just like weird. I don't know. a lot of the battleizers have been questionable,
0: <laughs> right, yeah, and <laughs> one of one of the one of the cool things about this episode was just the fact that, like this was confronting more or less like the fact that the Rangers felt arguably underpowered without the Quantum Ranger. Because in this case, the Q-Rex was getting, uh, was in control by the monster of the week that week because uh, it's a uh, voice recognition. And so the monster was able to get the Morpher from Eric and um, replicate Eric's voice to be able to control the Q-Rex. And the Rangers try and help And thankfully, you know, Eric gets help from a mysterious figure from the future who's been sending out this other Zord called the, I guess, the Time Shadow Zord. I think that's what it's
1: called. It's a
0: pretty cool Zord, but the guy who sends it is in, like, shades. And uh, I originally thought that this was going to be Eric's descendant down the timeline. Mm. And I thought that that would have been a better plot development than what was eventually revealed. But what becomes next, uh, Eric chooses to not reveal this information that he got help from the future to unlock the battleizer.
1: This episode is also important because this kind of represents like the first minor steps towards the Rangers and Eric working together. Because while Eric's morpher is stolen, he's forced to get a little help from the Rangers. And this isn't the first time that they've had to work together a little bit for for some common goal. But this is like the most extreme case so far where it's like Eric really needs their help until he has his Morpher back. Right. And he doesn't really want to admit it, but that is the case. Yep. And Wes even suggests at the end of this episode hey, we need to start acting like a team, Eric. Like you need to join us. And Eric's like, basically doesn't really say anything. But even that, like him just like silently thinking it over is a huge step up from like a few episodes ago where he just would have like told Wes to fuck off and walked away or something, you know? Like this this episode is starting to hint that Eric is softening towards the Rangers. It's like chiseling Um, marble. Yeah.
0: You know? Like you
1: gotta be really, really
0: careful with it. Because if you fuck it up, it's just all going to crumble. And that's going to be your relationship with Eric.
1: <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, I, 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 like, I like how they start to tor- turn the corner in this episode. Because it's a very precarious situation. Like, on the one hand, they have a point And, you know, whatever. But on the other hand, Eric just became more powerful than them. He just got the Battleizer, and he's kind of, like, absurdly strong now. He's almost as strong as, like, all five of the other Rangers put together when he's in Battleizer mode. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's a lot. So, it's like, on the one hand, like like I say, they have a point. But on the other hand, Eric's kind of standing there like, I've got all the power in my hands right now. Even if you have a point, should I listen to you?
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And then the next episode that we have on the docket is Time Force Trader, which was my description of Jen's Revenge. Jen's Revenge was actually uh, about a mutant named uh, Fat Catfish that Jen wanted to kill him for personal reasons. Mm-hmm. And that was like a a huge, huge, major plot point because they had to like be like, hey, you just can't be murking these people out in the streets. You can't be doing... Uh, you can't be doing some police brutality, you know? Yeah. And we're going to hold you accountable to that, especially since you're going to be our leader in the beginning while Wes is still getting his gripping. So Time Force Trader obviously was really good, and Jen's Revenge was also really good. These were like eights, I believe, respectively, maybe nines. Time um, Force
1: Trader was, uh, was for me was like a potential backup best of pick. I could see that, and and realistically, if I had uh, watched everything in time, I might have <laughs> I might have lobbied harder for it. Um, <laughs> because, As in, like
0: take the place of Trip takes a stand. Yeah. Okay. Um, I know that was is, like one of our weaker ones. We were like, we kind of should include this episode. It,
1: that episode is important. Because, again, it's the Power Rangers really confronting social issues the most head-on they ever have in this show. Um, And it's very important on that level. So, like, I really wanted to keep that one in. But this, like, I might have fought for this otherwise. Because Jen really excels here. Like, this is just, like, a really strong Jen episode. Mm -hmm. And also... It's cool. It's atmospheric. It's kind of noir. Um, the whole thing with Steelix is like this great sort of like saga of like betrayal and stuff, you know? And Steelix is really cool looking. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, it's like, it, this is like the mere opposite episode in some ways of Jen's Revenge. In Jen's Revenge, she wants to get petty revenge on Fat Catfish. In this episode, her old partner wants revenge on her.
0: Yes. And he ends up stealing her Morpher, fighting her on her own, turning her insane. And then uh, Wes had to break Jen out of the spell for all of the Rangers to be able to defeat Steelix. So... It was definitely like a another like Wes and Gen development. Again, like we have our reservations about that that sort of relationship. But still it's good on screen television. You can't you can't deny that.
1: Yeah. When their whole plot line isn't obtrusive, it's actually fine. There's just a few times it's obtrusive and it would have been better if they'd just gone with something else. But that doesn't mean that it's all bad. Yeah. Yeah. Like, a lot of their interactions are really good. Really, Mm -hmm. like, strong. Um, Two very complex uh, semi-leader characters with complex feelings about each other just trying their best to see this mission through in their own ways with their own problems, you know? very Mm -hmm. it's, it's it's very dynamic and this is one of the episodes where you get that dynamicism and jen this is like by this time the actress playing jen had really like dialed it in more a little more perfectly and like she really sells this episode yeah yeah
0: the next episode is Fraxis fury uh, Fraxus Fury. We've already gone over in the best and worst, but basically, amazing Rancic's a fucking king. Rancic's amazing. Frax is amazing. Frax's character development in betraying Rancic was really good, especially since it's like a sort of violence begets violence sort of thing. This is played a- up like this is like the 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 start of it.
1: Uh, this is like a once again never been better than this before. Like we've seen this kind of thing before um much like the sixth ranger how like the adversarial sixth ranger we've seen them kind of try this before but then they finally realized it perfectly here we've seen them many times do this like major lieutenant betrays the top villain this has happened in probably 50% of the seasons but this is the best version of it. And what's even wilder with this one is that in the case of the adversarial six ranger, it had never been really that well realized before. In this case, like Ecliptor uh, was a great, you know, like that, like the, that group of villains was a great, yeah. we have, we've, we've had so many good groups of villains backstabbing and betraying each other that it's actually, that's a hard bar to clear and they cleared it. And they cleared it by like a mile still somehow. It's wild. Frax's Fury is amazing. It's the culmination of a lot of things that have been happening in the previous episodes. It's maybe like my favorite episode of the Power Rangers we've watched. (laughs) It's definitely an amazing episode.
0: I don't know if I, I would say it's the best of the best. Uh, but it's definitely really good. It's, it's I don't in know. The it's just in the like top 10. I like
1: it even more than when we were talking about it before. Honestly, like the this is literally an episode that even though we picked it for best and worst, I like it more than we talked about it then. I yeah. just continue to think back on that episode in particular and think that was a pinnacle for the Power Rangers.
0: Yup. Yup. Um, Dawn of Destiny, you see Frax destroy all of Rancic's medicine that he used to help cure Venomark's, uh, or not cure, sorry, treat uh, Venomark's disease that he has on Rancic. And Rancic is now on a fucking rampage throughout town to try and get some more of that medicine. And he basically goes all the way to Wes's father's company, Biolab, and mm-hmm. almost kills. Wes's father in the process. You know, the Rangers are obviously stuck battling Rancic's new mutant, but in the end, Jen mentions that if they don't stop Rancic soon, the entire future will change. And then Alex appears. The Red Ranger from the future that died from from Rancic appears and says that it's already changed. So this one, still really good episode. A nice follow-up to Frax's Fury. The problem here is, is that it kind of hurts rancic's character rancic should have had that body count rancic like it shouldn't have been alex like i said it should have been alex should have been eric's like long descendant you know yeah they should have kept alex
1: dead yeah i don't think bringing alex back to life did a lot for us i kind of get why and to an extent it was a decent twist and since this is children's television i am willing to forgive it to some extent because like i do like the i did like the damn are we gonna are we gonna fuck up the future and then it's like you already have oh oh shit like mind explode moment you know like um i i thought that was kind of fun um, and I think it was like a good way to start building to the end of the season too. Like a, this this kind of begins the final arc. After Frax's Fury and starting here, it's like we we sort of finish the Frax arc, not in the sense that he's done, because he's not done, but in the sense that he reveals his grand betrayal and thus changes the dynamics of power for the rest of the season. Cause this is yet another season where the villains would probably win if they could work together, right? Mm -hmm. Like this is yet another season where like before Frax betrays Rancic, it doesn't really seem like Rancic is going to lose to the Rangers.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I think more or less like this culminates into the, this is sort of a three-parter, I would say, or you can even take it as a four-parter because (laughs) fight against fate and destiny defeated are directly tied to each other. And yeah. fight against fate is also directly tied to Donna Destiny. It's sort of a loose four-parter.
1: Uprising.
0: Destiny defeated is basically showing about how Alex coming back and taking over forcibly, forcibly might I add, taking over leadership position and um the Red Ranger power from Wes. It's sort of like that redirecting the, the Rangers again. And um the Rangers aren't having it. They really like Wes as their leader. They even tell them they're like, we did way better with Wes's leader than you, Alex. And so Alex is struggling. Meanwhile, Alex also feels like, even though he's alive, he's now suddenly not in the best of terms with Jen.
1: Well, because there's this dynamic between them, right? Where Alex kind of comes in. He's like, he's like, y'all shouldn't have fucked up the future. And they're just like, Alex, we're just glad to see you, dog. Like, <laughs> tell yeah. us. And and also, he's being kind of cagey with them. They're like, tell us how bad the future is. And he's like, no. And they're like, you're not giving us much to work with. And he's like, shut up. And they're like, <laughs> okay, this is not pleasant. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, there's an interesting aspect of pre, like, fate and predestiny and choice here. Because Alex tells Wes hey you gotta go back to your dad and fucking take over the company like you're supposed to and Wes is like what the fuck do you mean like I'm supposed to and Alex is like it's for the future dog this is just how everything plays out in the timeline this is just how it works it's inevitable and Wes is like um fuck you it's inevitable (laughs) it's a really honestly kind of good plot point for Wes. Like, this is where Wes shines the most so far, I think. In some ways. Is, like, not necessarily just in this episode in particular, but, like, the revelation of this plot where Wes is told that, like, he is fated to run Biolabs.
0: A much better actor than Leo, right? Because, like, it feels like the Leo character, but just Way better acting,
1: yeah. This episode, uh, pretty much just ends on a cliffhanger.
0: Well, yeah, right. Because Alex, um, <laughs> so basically, with a uh, fight against fate and and destiny defeated, basically, like they have to come to grips with like the fact that the f- his the the future is going to change no matter what, right? And they might not go back to the same timeline that they are they were wanting to. Um, And this is with verification from Alex this time. And so Alex also in Destiny Defeated ends up changing the timeline himself as well by saving Wes's dad. Right, because
1: that's one of the things that he tells Wes is that like you have to go back and do this now because your dad's about to die. And that's also fated. But that's not how it goes down because Alex himself ends up changing the timeline. It turns out he can't be as strict as he was trying to be. Yeah,
0: and I mean like also Alex has a bit of a jealousy issue. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> like he's he's really jealous with Wes and he doesn't necessarily trust Jen around Wes either and there's this really weird love triangle thing but like... I don't know maybe Jen shouldn't have like considered it at all because as the show goes on there's there's more will they won't they moments between Wes and Jen but it's just like man like Jen like I get how it complicates things now that Alex is back and you've been spending all your time with Wes but it's just like Wes was a no-go from the jump (laughs)
1: like what are you doing. But there is this interesting dynamic of at first, Wes is sort of like Alex, but worse. But then, when out Al- by the time Alex comes back, Wes is better and Alex is worse. So now it's kind of like Wes is the version of Alex that fucks,
2: <laughs>
1: you know, like the shoes on the other foot now. Um, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah.
0: Wes's energy changes as the season goes on for the better, but he doesn't feel like the the Christian Bale billionaire type, Batman type <laughs> character that he did in the beginning, right? Yeah. Almost like he did actually have sex, So <laughs>
1: <laughs> And so, uh, Alex ends up deciding to just go back to the year 3000 and leave them to it for better or worse.
0: Yeah, I mean, this was all about Alex just going, like, I just got to trust you guys.
1: Yeah. And And this was also, like, Jen kind of getting her final closure because seeing Alex is kind of hard for her, but then also, like, she's kind of like, I guess I'm sort of over it in some ways, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. And in Undercover Rangers, it kind of explores the more romantic element between Wes and Jen. I'm sorry. Yeah between Wes and Jen because Alex leaves and then Jen kind of realizes that she has feelings for Wes. Meanwhile, kind of has this, like, goofy plot where uh, (laughs) there's this super serum that's being passed out around that is making people really, really strong. And uh, it's giving the same superhuman strength that Katie has with her Yellow Ranger power. And so everybody's kind of concerned. So... uh, Wes and Jen go undercover to the fitness club to go check it out, but that's not before they're kind of sort of getting ribbed by everybody else to, like, go on a date together alone. And it's like, guys, you're not helping. (laughs) (laughs) Undercover Rangers was another episode that was originally cut from the viewer guide that I added in, mainly because it introduced the stratocycles, but what I didn't know was that just how romantic the relationship between Wes and Jen was because, like, not, they were dead ass gonna go for it. Yeah. You know, obviously, they, they never kissed or whatever, but still, like, they were really entertaining this idea of Wes and Jen dating and just fucking up the timeline completely. And I'm just <laughs> like, guys, like, you gotta stop. Funny episode, though. I did like the fact that uh, when people would drink the serum, not only would they get super strong, but they act exactly like a cyclobot. So it's like you get to see what the cyclobots look like when they're like not in the outfits. Like imagine how many extras that were normally cyclobots were got to like get their time to shine in Undercover Rangers.
1: Yeah. Next up is uh, Beware the Night, which is the Wes gets his Battleizer, finally. It's fine. It's okay.
0: It's okay. You know what would have made this episode like two points higher? What? Explain that the night is a time night. That he could uh, just travel through time. a
1: little more lore really would have helped here. Which is funny because this season is so lore heavy. It's funny to have to criticize an episode over that.
0: Yeah, honestly, like they could (sighs) have added like maybe five sentences to the episode. And it would have jumped from like a five out of seven to a seven out of ten. I'm sorry, five out of seven. (laughs) Five out of ten to like a seven out of ten.
1: There's Um, some fun stuff in this episode. It could have been good.
0: Yeah, Wes faces off against the dragon. There's like a funny lesson of like try and believe people in good faith. Wes's Battleizer is really cool looking actually. It's like a Golden Knight type deal. Yeah. I love it actually. I actually really... You do? The the Red Ranger Battleizer this season is kind of close to something that would actually be seen in a sentai
1: yeah i I like it okay i don't really love it though for a battleizer it's good it looks really cool in action shots sometimes i will say that like it's like it's one of those things where like if you just look at it in pictures or some of the still shots it's kind of whatever but sometimes when he's actually fighting in it in like the smoke and the shadows it's like ah dang that is pretty cool that's what i just i
0: I just remembered that uh, me going over the filler in this in this season and seeing over the stuff that we did skip did frustrate me because I forgot that Beware the Night was also not in the filler guide and I had to add it in. And yep. it's like, this is, it's literally introducing like equipment into the show and in, in Undercover Rangers, not only did it introduce equipment to the show, like stuff in their arsenal, which is always canon, but also, like, dog, that was like some really important character development for Jen. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. we like it or agree with it or not, it was still really important character development. In the yeah. next episode, though, we get Time for Lightspeed, which is probably the most muted crossover that we've seen. So
1: <laughs> It's fine. It's better than some of the bad crossovers. Um, it is a little... A little on the muted side. It's not bad, though. It just wasn't maybe as pog as you would expect. It does give a really interesting continuity to everything, because the Lightspeed Rangers have already completed their stuff by this time and are retired. Um, And so the Time Force Rangers are coming back specifically to the time shortly after, you know, the Lightspeed Rangers had sort of wrapped up their plots. You know, there's there's a nice, clean way to tie everything together. You know, Viper comes back for a hurrah. For some reason, it's Viper. (laughs) (laughs) It's just a... It's just an okay episode. Which is interesting to say about a crossover, because traditionally it's like they're kind of either good or bad.
0: <laughs> yeah, this episode was kind of just like, eh,
2: cool. All right.
0: Yeah. I mean, Viper came back. Like, it just went to show that Viper sucked. Viper does suck. Like, even in her best performance, which is this episode, it just sucks. It's not, she's just not a good actress. Unfortunate. But, I mean, we got some updates on what everybody's doing, you know? Carter is still doing his thing, being a firefighter and being poggy. Joel's with uh
1: Miss Fairweather. He did it.
0: Yeah. Joel Joel's uh, married to Miss Fairweather, and they're they're working on their own thing and they're going on vacation on their honeymoon and stuff. Uh before they get interrupted, of course. Kelsey, uh Kelsey, I think, stayed on exports. Dana became a nurse. Um, so you know, we got some like life updates to that. And then like after the Rangers <laughs> Like, there's this whole, like, Viper steals a gem scene, but it kind of just... Who cares? Yeah. It's just (laughs) the reason for them to team up and battle it out together. And you're like, yay, I get to see the Lightspeed people again. And then at the end of it all, they're like, yo, you know what? We're done being Rangers. Here's the best, guys. You guys, you're the real Rangers. (laughs) Peace out. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean...
1: What they should have done... As they should have said, the Rancic and Mariner Bay crises were simultaneous but happening in different places. And made an episode where the Time Force Rangers have to help the Lightspeed Rangers without showing themselves to the Lightspeed Rangers. Makes sense. That would have been the perfect time travel crossover episode. That would have been epic. (laughs)
0: i mean it's funny right because this comes this episode comes in so late into the season that it almost like feels out of place
1: a bit should have been earlier yeah yeah next up is a calm before the storm the very (laughs) literal thing that it claims to be the last episode before the finale
0: i like this episode I remember going like, you know what? I wish Power Rangers did this more often, where you had an episode to just kind of breathe before the finale, and like address certain plot threads that you know you normally wouldn't have screen time for in the end.
1: Yeah, yeah, and basically Although like the finale is a little long in its own right. We'll get into that in a sec. <laughs> well, yeah,
0: but a calm before the storm just kind of like has the ra- Uh, since Rancic's mutants have been depleted, Rancic is kind of like in all or nothing mode.
1: The rancic running out of mutants thing is really interesting because a lot of the previous villains, like the original model set by Rita Repulsa was that she had this lieutenant that made monsters out of clay and brought them to life. And so therefore, there was no end to the monsters, right? Like the you had to defeat R- Rita to end the monsters, Um, Or something like that. And that's been, like, the general mold of a lot of the villains has been, like, they have a monster maker, but Rancic had a monster supply that was limited. This is a really interesting change for this season. Um, And uh, I like how this culminates here with, like, Rancic running out of monsters and, like, kind of losing it. And the Rangers... Kind of like celebrating a little bit, but then also realizing that, first of all, this probably means that some type of showdown with Rancic and maybe also Frax, maybe separately or maybe together, is coming. And that also, the Time Rangers are going to have to go back to the year 3000 soon. And they've spent enough time here now that this is no longer just... An easy thing, obviously. Jen and Wes are a big part of this, but it goes deeper than that. You know, all the all of the Rangers from the future are kind of like, huh? This this is a unexpectedly bittersweet thing.
0: Yeah, yeah. Another sort of like Jen mm. and Wes addressing their relationship type deal. <laughs> it's like the more we talk about it, though. I don't know, man. Like, where where do we fall on this? Because Jen reveals, like, she never really gets to tell Wes until the very end, but she still, you know, sort of ends up saying her goodbyes. But, like, Jen starts to reveal, like, starts to somewhat openly reveal that she's in love with Wes. But it's
1: like, yeah. all right, <laughs> like... The timeline. (laughs) Yeah. um, This is also an episode where it's like, so before, when Alex came from the future, he wouldn't tell them how bad the future was. Turns out, in the future, Frax is kind of fucking shit up. And one of the things that he's using is this, like, trizerium or something like that, crystal, that Wes's dad invents. Like the, or begins the process of inventing. It doesn't necessarily get finished in his lifetime, but he he starts the process of inventing this thing. And this is like a moment where the Rangers start trying to kind of push back, do their own intentional time meddling for good, hopefully, you know, because they figure, well, we've already changed the timeline. Let's do what we can. And so, uh, so Wes encourages his dad to uh, halt production of this magical future crystal. His dad does. Thus like even further altering the future and also leading to the events where Frax ends up under Rancic's control again. Because Frax was basically and out creating super monsters using these Triserium or whatever crystals. Tricerizium.
2: <laughs>
1: Zerizizium.
0: Trizerium crystals are causing temporal disruptions yeah it's i i I dig it i I dig it a lot i think my thing is is that uh in the end of time so
1: hang uh, on before the finale one more important thing about uh the comp of the storm that i almost forgot yeah is that the rangers see information that implies that they win and save the future but that they all die. Heavy shit. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um I think like at this point I told Kennedy I was like the finale needs to be a 10. Like the 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 3 episode finale needs to be a 10 for me to consider these this series within reach of like taking the throne of lightspeed rescue from me but also being better than In Space, I feel. Because I think yeah. up to this point, it was kind of like on the same quality of In Space, right? Where we were getting like a bu- more, more or less like a- episodes that were like, this is an eight, this is a nine, this is a 10, you know, like a bunch of those. But then we'd still get like a couple of sixes. We'd still get like a five, a three or four, you know, like shit like that, where it was kind of just like a lot of up and down. And then I was like, they're really going to have to sell me on this, this finale for me to consider it. And I think that they pulled it off really well.
1: Yes, I think the only area that they majorly stumble in the finale is they made a typical Saban Power Rangers mistake that they haven't made in a long time. And they made it just slightly too long the three episodes was not strictly necessary or they needed to add just a tiny bit more meat to the middle episode. That's literally my only complaint. I don't even know that it necessarily knocks it out of the possibility that the finale is a 10 because it's kind of amazing. But that's my like one thing is like, oh, you had, they've been so good about tightening things up, not doing unnecessary two parters not doing fucking five-part episodes, you know? And then they had to make the finale three parts in a way that just felt slightly unnecessary to me.
0: Yeah. They kind of also sort of, I don't know. Dog, like, how important is the timeline? Like, that, that's the question that's, that's ultimately being asked, right? How much do you value the timeline? How much do the characters in this story value the timeline? And, like, yeah. that's my major flaw with the finale, but I think everything else is well done. So, in the end of time, the first episode, Rancic prepares to attack the city. Alex orders the Time Force Rangers to return to the future as the Trizerium Crystals are causing temporal disruptions, telling them that if they don't leave now, they might not be able to return to their own time. The Rangers refuse and try to prevent the attack. Um, West knows that his friends can't stay in the present and has a plan to send them back. Wes ends up forcing the other rangers to back to their own time with the plan to fight to the death to save the city, making him and Eric responsible for defending it.
1: Also, Nadira and Trip help a woman deliver a baby. I bet you weren't expecting that sentence. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, Um,
0: it was kind of just like an everyday average fight where you would like, how would this play out in real life? And like, you know, fucking good guys in a store, bad guy rolls up, they square up and you're like, whoa, 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 whoa." there's civilians nearby, chill the fuck out, you know? And in this case, there was a pregnant lady and Nadira helped deliver the baby (laughs)
1: Yeah, it's like they're Nadira and Trip are like fighting and then they both just decide, hey, you know what? Um, this civilian that's about to have a baby is more important than our bullshit right at this second. Let's just put it aside for a second and help her out. And they just do it. And it's a really unexpected scene in a lot of ways, but also a very good scene in some ways. Tripp does a good job here and Nadira also like, This is the pivotal moment for her character, and it's been pretty well built up to overall, and she nails it. Um, This is the moment where Nadira has been... It's been clear since the beginning that although she likes the life of luxury that crime affords her, she's not actually that interested in, like, harming lots of people and would be kind of down to just, like, hang out and have a good time and just vibe and live and make friends and stuff, you know? Um, And uh, so from the very beginning there's been this hint to ah, to Nadira's character that she may not really want all of this life of evil stuff forever. And this is, like I say, the critical moment Where, you know, she helps this woman deliver this baby and she's like, huh, I think I'm making the wrong decisions and need to change my life path. (laughs) She put put
0: on 6 (laughs) a.m. Can't you see that life is beautiful? (laughs) Will you swear on your life? Just open your eyes. We're going to
1: get copyright stuck. You got to stop. <laughs> 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 Sorry. And Nadira, of course, she kind of is like that person trapped between two worlds. She's technically a mutant, but she looks. But she's human passing. Pretty, hu- Yeah, she's pretty human passing. And so she understands the bigotry that the mutants go through. But she also has spent enough time around the humans that she kind of gets that they're not really trying to be this awful necessarily.
0: It's the liberal mindset. Abolish the liberal in your brain.
1: (laughs) Yeah. It's a very uh, liberal. uh... It's definitely a very liberal way of her deciding to be good.
0: It's a, In a both sides it. But to be fair, though, it's kind of like the question is, should we be genociding everybody? I don't think so. I think life is great, actually. I don't want to kill that many people un- that's the unnecessarily. Thing. That's, that's
1: what saves it from being totally liberal, is that it's like, what's on the line is genocide. <laughs> yeah. So, so it's like... <laughs> Yeah, if 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 it were, if the stakes were lower it would be just kind of unbearably lib but because the stakes are so high it's kind of like yes Nadira make this decision
0: <laughs> please please enact some sort of reform please we're
1: dying <laughs> there's just a lot of like the rangers get kind of split up and brought together they fight different villains like Wes and Eric are fighting like, fracks at one point while some of the other rangers are doing other stuff, that kind of thing, you know. And and, and all that's always really good, you know, like, let's keep um, the tension high by keeping all the heroes apart and desperate and stranded, and um, that keeps the intensity of the action high, and a lot of the action is really good here, I think. I agree.
0: I think the action's fantastic. Ultimately, I gotta say, like,
1: Hold on. When the Doomtron knocks out the Q-Rex Zord? Yeah. Like, literally, like, KOs a Zord? What the fuck? But yeah, it's, it's so it's Pog. Yeah, fucking
2: Pog. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> like, I... You never see anything quite like that before there are these moments when the zords and the monsters are fighting where it suddenly feels less like a kaiju fight it feels more like you know wrestlers or boxers in the ring and sometimes that's just really fun and pog and this is one of those moments with doomtown knots at the, the q rex it's just like oh fuck (laughs)
0: that's what i was saying the q rex is fucking fantastic this season easily the most likable zord just because it's so animated like they do the q rex does so much shit on screen
1: well the q rex like so many things this season is the culmination of a lot of personable zords throughout the seasons that have been easy to like in a lot of ways you know it
0: it feels like dragon zord 2.0
1: yeah and Dragon Zord, of course, had tons of personality for a Zord and was still like weird and kind of alien and mysterious in that Zord way, but then would sort of show off that it had like character and its own ideas about things sometimes. Um, Q-Rex is exactly the same. It's weird. It's alien. But also sometimes you're kind of like, I get you right now, Q-Rex.
0: <laughs> I completely understand your struggle, Q-Rex.
1: Solidarity, <laughs> brother. like that meme where the guy's like what's up little guy and then whatever it is just usually just like says something unintelligible it's like that's you and the Q-Rex you're like what's up little guy Q-Rex is just like you're like yeah me too man (laughs) (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) yeah like there's just so much to love here It's honestly like this is one of those things where like I'm going to kind of like spoil a little bit of the ending of this episode and just say like you should watch this season like flat out like regardless of whatever we rate it you should watch this season as like maybe a sort of signifier of United States content pre 9-11 that was kind of sort of having some bite to it. Like there was like sprinklings of class consciousness and stuff like that. All throughout. Yeah. Um, and I think like the way this finale serves up, um, especially since like Eric
1: Eric and Wes. That's big. like there's so many big things. That's just one of them, but that's a big one.
0: Yeah, like that that alone I think is just worth watching. Mm-hmm. As like just just media, media in general to watch that that I that I find very interesting, that I think other people might find very interesting. Is literally the season finale to this show, because like the whole West and Eric dichotomy between the two, as it's played out throughout the finale, is fantastic.
1: Yep, the Jen and West dichotomy in the finale is fantastic, and Rancic and Nadira are amazing in the finale, also. Mm-hmm.
0: The genocide enjoyer versus the genocide denier,
1: also. <laughs> uh, uh, in a more you know, literal Rancic, sense, Rancic almost kills Nadira by mm-hmm. accident, and. There's this amazing scene, you know. Rancic is trying to um, catch Jen. There's this incredible scene where he thinks he's spotted Jen, and he blasts with full power, basically like a kill blast, right at who? Who does it turn out to be? Nadira. Yeah. And oh, Nadira still has the baby because, like, it's it's literally like they've they've brought the fight to there. <laughs> Um, and like Nadira is still like nearby this woman who just gave birth with the baby, and uh, the baby is fine, but Nadira is like on death's door pretty much. She needs some save throws. Yeah, and <laughs> Rancic is just like he's like, fuck, I I I I I fucked up, and Nadira is like, you know, I think we're I think we're doing the wrong thing. And Rancic has to, like, kind of come to terms with, like, the fact that no matter how righteous your anger may be towards something, it never justifies genocide. You know, there's too many, there's too many innocent people along the way that are going to get swept up in something like that. You push that shit to its extreme and suddenly you're hurting the people you care about most. Mm-hmm. And it's very literal in this case. It's quite a touching scene for us to, like, sort of leave these villains on.
0: Yeah. Before we get into that, we still got to cover uh, one and a half episodes. <laughs> in the future, the rangers discover what happened. The city was ultimately saved, but Wes lost his life fighting for it. They're ordered to have their minds erased of their adventures, Men in Black style. <laughs> mm-hmm. And to just back to their lives in their own time. So it's kind of it kind of felt like a little x Meny. y It's definitely been like a plot element to X-Men whenever they involve like time travel. Yeah. Uh, in the comics.
1: It is. So I, like I that. thought that
0: that was like pretty cool that they were going to go through with that. Um, however, they're unwilling to give up their memories and decide to go back to help Wes. This is where I kind of like push back on this a little bit because like, why? Yeah. Like, why would you risk fucking up the
1: timeline? You know also It's a very selfish move. It's so selfish. Also, objectively, Wes is dead to you in the future. It doesn't yeah, matter what the him. date of his death is. And they literally address this at the very end. So like I don't really understand entirely why they structured it this way either.
0: Yeah. That's definitely, like, that's my only complaint about this finale. It was just a very selfish move. But I guess they just didn't want West to die like that. Um, especially since it seemed, I guess, because it seemed like that they could control that sort of thing if they had just stayed and never went back against their will. Which I think was the point. Because they were like, that's the fight that they were supposed to all die together. Mm-hmm. And now it's just West dying. But the future is still the same. That's like, yeah. nah nah, nah. I don't want my buddy to go out like that all alone. So like I I kinda I kind of get that. And there right? are a lot of like, good
1: scenes surrounding this plot line, I think.
0: Yeah, that that like uphold it, but it's just ultimately a, a, an extremely selfish move. Also, like, how stupid would you feel if like you saved them from like dying that way, but then like he died in a car crash two weeks later? Like, (laughs) you know, (laughs) I'd be like, dog, at least he fought valiantly to the end, homie. (laughs) He had that gladiator death. Um, But also, it doesn't matter if he lives
1: to be the age of 100. You're never going to see him again.
0: Yeah, yeah. But speaking of gladiator fight, holy shit. Also, I want to say the Yellow Ranger. Katie, uh, was all like, I'm okay with West dying that way. He went out valiantly. He will forever be remembered as a hero. <laughs> like, did I- Katie had the right mindset from the jump. Yep. And everybody was like, "No, nah, no, nah, no. Nah, we're not gonna allow West to go out that way. And she's like, oh, okay, I guess. <laughs> That's fine. I mean, might as well. You know, it's, it's one more opportunity. Go. I'm, I'm probably never gonna see, uh, 2001 again so
1: there is an incredible fight scene with Wes and Eric trying to fight off the cyclobots together and Eric finally gives Wes the quantum morpher deactivates its security measures that would normally keep him out and says you take charge here
0: this was hard for Eric to do like mm-hmm. Eric was injured and Eric was just willing to just like keep going yeah and like Wes had to like repeatedly stop Eric like be like dog like you're gonna fucking die yeah like please please I'm begging you and he's like no fuck you um another thing Jen gives
1: Alex back her engagement ring Mm-hmm. another really critical scene this is so important cause it's like Jen has decided that even if Alex exists again in the future that her life path has changed
0: at first, I was going to say, like, I didn't get the feeling that that this was going to play out the way it, it did, but now that I know with the foresight of having known how it played out, I could be like, oh, okay, yeah, you could read the situation like that.
1: Yeah. It's just an interesting thing, because you know that, like, if Alex had come back right away, that she just would have wanted to be with him, but, like, people change. Circumstances change, you know?
0: Yeah. This is what I wanted out of Kimberly and Jason. Or not Jason, uh, Tommy.
1: Yeah, like when they broke up way back when. Yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Like this should have been the end of season three, Kimberly leaving Mm -hmm. type scene.
1: You know? It's a good scene. I don't know. It It just really sells a lot of Jen's character development, I think.
0: I definitely didn't read that at first glance, though. Like, this is a, oh, rewatch, right? When you really think about it, oh, this makes sense. But on initial watch, it's just like she wants to be with Wes. Yeah. You know, and I'm just like.
1: But then it's clear that that's not actually the answer when you get to the end. So, yeah, the rewatch, when you rewatch it, you watch that scene. You think, what's the actual motivation here? It's, it's just Jen deciding that
0: she's not in love with Alex anymore
1: that she just needs to have a new a brand new chapter in her life after all of this and that she's in control of a new destiny for herself yep yeah which is cool actually although they could have played it up more because it mirrors wes's own journey and to that extent it's like both of them going through this same type of personal journey about destiny in different ways And interacting with each other through it in in critical ways is pretty cool. They just sometimes don't frame every scene quite right to make the most of it. Or they sometimes frame it in a little too much will-they-won't-they sexual tension that no one really asked for. Oh, man.
0: Yeah. That was something. (laughs) Especially in (laughs) Undercover Rangers, I was like, wow, this is weirdly
1: horny. Yes, yeah, that, that is a horny episode. Like, like, extremely horny. It's the horniest the Power Rangers have been in a while, honestly. Outwardly.
0: Outwardly. Yeah. Like, I would say, like, it was no, there was no, like, read between the lines. It was like, oh no, like, they're going.
1: If you wanted to like, tell me that You had a compelling theory that they bang at the end of that episode or in that episode at some point. I'd be like in the clock tower? Let's hear it. Oh, in the clock tower? People are fucking
0: in that clock tower. It's too sexy of a location. Yeah. It's too sexy of a location. Why would you not? (sighs) (sighs) Especially since the one with the most raw sexual energy is Jen and and Wes. Like, oh, mm-hmm. a thousand percent. A thousand oh, yeah. percent that happened. There's there's no no question in my mind. <laughs> Especially after Undercover Rangers. Because, like, no. It was like a, yeah, no. We have feelings for each other, but we're just not going to say it out loud type deal. Yeah. Like that. And we we're both well aware that we do, you know. And we're both really horny about that, actually. That it's kind of, like, a not, like, spoken thing. But, like, it is a thing. And we're just really horny about that. Yeah. <laughs> I wish I'm lying. Like, I wish I could say I was dra- dramatizing it, you but just I'm really know she not. She
1: pulled out a condom and she was like, if you use one of these, it doesn't change the timeline. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's the uh, poop hole loophole. <laughs> Oh man. Yeah.
1: It, it, I know
0: it's it's been a while since we've talked like this on the on Seth That Truther Club, but it's it it is that like,
1: episode is horny we, as hell. we really did it, God we really damn. did
0: it, we really didn't stress that enough while we were talking about it, but
1: yeah no, man. It's ridiculous.
0: Yeah, the, the person who ran the fitness club center for Frax's Secret Cyclobot Army. Speaking of, I need to cover that too while we're while we're on the finale. Yo, like she was, she was dressed like she uh, worked at Hooters, you know, like almost had like a very similar outfit, and she, it was like straight up porn star acting. Like you could like overlay '90s porn music over that scene, and just insert like sound effects when it cuts to Jen or something like that, and it's a porn movie. Oh, God. It's just softcore porn. It's wild. But speaking of the Cyclobot army, I want to say there was a scene in one of the episodes, I can't remember which one it was, where Frax told one of the Cyclobots, hey, we're robots. We've got to work together. And the Cyclobots were like, yeah, and like took his side. But then in the finale here, when it starts to get to be Frax versus rantic again, the Cyclobots don't take Frax's side. Not all the Cyclobots take Frax's side, which goes to show that like even when you gain sentience as a robot, you're not just going to have solidarity
1: with your fellow robots. Yeah, it's more complicated than that. Mm-hmm.
0: This is something that winds up in a later tokusatsu that comes out in 2019 but it's just nice to see this stuff here you know yeah
1: yeah Now there's definitely some little hints at something interesting with some of the robot lore in this season it's not definitely fully the most interesting
0: but... minion minion lore that we've had in a very long time
1: oh yeah cycle bots are top tier minions really good great designs good lore Interesting characterization, very cool looking, but also kind of menacing when they need to be. Just a just a pretty good design and good, um, real well realized uh, minion. Mm-hmm. I've already spoiled it a little bit, but yeah, basically everything ends with a final showdown in which Rancic and Jen especially end up in kind of desperate combat with each other, which is nice to have like. Jen isn't the clear leader at all times in the season, necessarily. But it was nice to have, like, ultimately, in the end, Jen is kind of the one in the final, final showdown. You know? And, like, yeah, yeah it's it's Jen. She's the one this season. It's not Wes. Yeah. 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 Brancic almost kills Nadira. And he ends up just giving up turning himself in he can't he can no longer handle what he has become
0: yeah and the rangers return to their future yeah um without
1: wes to
0: their great sadness uh and then wes and jen you know confess their love for each other it's sad man
1: yeah it is they, i it's mean they're sad. never gonna see each other again this is it yeah and then with um, the
0: other rangers gone, Mr. Collins offers his son's uh, his son command of the Silver Guardians
1: who will protect
0: the city now for free. So Wes agrees as long as Eric is his co-commander, which he agrees to. So just quite a like a bittersweet ending, but man, like I think like all of these points amazing. were top tier. Yeah. Um I do have a couple things. So like I like that they left it open where they didn't show what happened in the future because that means that next season's crossover is going to be puggy. <laughs> <laughs> I like the fact that Blackwater became an extension of the local government.
1: <laughs> yeah, I like that the solution was we're going to unprivatize this private military corporation to a large extent and make it like a public service, you know? Like, that was a good, that was a relatively good way to end that,
0: yeah. It also made me think about how the revolution happened in the u s s a and I was thinking <laughs> about how it's a. it was like a Bolivarian revolution, yeah, where like they didn't they didn't kill the the greedy capitalists or whatever. So they have to constantly contend with like doing market reforms under the gun of like, the capitalists just wanting to seize back power at every every given opportunity. Yeah. And so that's why we get, like, Raytheon still. Um, But the fact that they were basically like, oh, we're going to, like, public Raytheon um, is awesome, I think, to an extent. And, like, realizing that, hey, actually, uh, doing things for free because it's the right thing to do is always the best thing to do yeah there's other contextualizing some good like that is is fantastic, I think, yeah. What do you think?
1: I think that it's uh like I said, it's a very politically fascinating season that wasn't afraid to just go in all in on those themes, whereas other seasons had kind of pulled the punches. There is an obvious moral conflict of interests between the Rangers and the Silver Guardians that is. Emphasized and you know, given um a lot of characterization, and yeah, it's really interesting. It's fascinating, it's a fascinating season, it has a lot of meat to it. I think what's complicated in comparing this season to Lightspeed, which I also loved, is that everywhere that Lightspeed significantly let me down, this season picked up the slack. That said, this season failed in some areas where Lightspeed had no issues at all and sailed through.
0: Yeah, I think that's the thing, right? Like, this season had the best 6th Ranger, but last season had the best 5 Rangers, you know?
1: Well, but even this season had, even though the Rangers last season were arguably better individual characters and actors in some ways, this season had more of the in space dynamics of we're hanging out with the Rangers and seeing their lives and interactions more um, outside of being Power Rangers and getting to see like more of their characters develop. Uh, it you made a whole like Beatles album
0: joke out of them hanging out after getting fired together because they were doing the Lonely Boy Sad Walk. Across I know, the but bridge. that was
1: that was a <laughs> a somewhat of an exception, though, in Lightspeed. Like, there was, there were a few really important exceptions like that. And then a lot of the time, the emphasis of the show was not as much on, like, these Rangers and their characterization. Now, to be clear, I still think In Space is the winner for this particular aspect of the show. Like, I still think In Space did the best job of being like, here is this team, you know, even when they're not in action and being interesting and important things about them and a bunch of different characters with, you know, conflicting and compatible personalities all like, I don't know, coming together in different ways and stuff like that in space, still crowns that particular achievement. I think light speed rescue would have benefited from more of that. And I think we get tons of it here. How much of this show is them in the clock tower talking about their feelings and shit? It's a lot. Yeah. All
0: right. Let's let's kick it into the season review.
1: <laughs> well, do you want to do ranger ranking first?
0: Okay. Bottom. Uh. Damn. I want to put Lucas there.
1: I hate to say I, I it, o- but it's Katie. You think so? Yeah. You do, and it's so. I it's just primarily one- because Katie does not get. Enough interesting characterization. So, like,
0: Lucas to me is notable for being bad (laughs) at certain scenes. Katie is not notable for me for any of her acting skills outside of one minor bad acting scene. And like the fact that she has super strength, and I don't remember why or know why that is but like lucas i just i just remember i'm like time for time for you know <laughs> or like no jen it can't be this way you know like that 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 sort of pace of acting and i i don't know if i i don't know if i dislike that enough or maybe somewhat like that enough to like Overcome the fact that Katie just didn't have any good screen time. I don't know.
1: Because, like, Katie's not offensive.
0: Lucas can be offensive
1: um, in his I acting. Think, I think Katie just doesn't get any interesting characterization, though. Whereas Lucas has two very legitimately interesting episodes dedicated to him.
0: You're right. Like, I guess Future's Unknown. Futures Unknown is the Katie focused episode, but Katie isn't good in it, whereas both Lucas focused episodes are good. So yeah, I guess I can agree that. Yeah, Katie bottom, Lucas like right above that. This is like what, C tier? They're C. I think they're C. They're
1: they're both pretty much C tier. Low C. I'm not, barely... I. I'm not
0: saying high. I'm not saying high. Yeah,
1: no, you know, they're both, they're both pretty much C tier and Lucas just barely edges out Katie. That's my opinion.
0: Yeah, no. They're both low C's. Um, High C is definitely trip.
1: I would even say trip might be in the low B's. But it's a hard call cuz at times he annoys the fuck out of me. Yeah. But, nah. but would I'd you- put
0: circuit in B before I put trip in C and B.
1: Now I'm not going there with you at all. But uh... <laughs> I can't believe you hate that bird. I hate I that. I love bird. that
0: owl so much.
1: Um, it's a good thing we don't have to rank the owl cuz that would be we'd be fighting for an hour. Um, <laughs> Trip is like a high C or a low B he excels when he excels and he doesn't when he doesn't he's if he was always as good as his best performances he'd be like an A
0: yeah he definitely had enough screen time to be an A character I just not impressed I'm not impressed by his acting but I think like his character's just written one note man I think that's just the
1: problem. All right, here's where I let's see if we agree or not. Eric and Wes are both high A's, and Jen is a low S. I'm willing to
0: put Eric an S, dude. (laughs) I'm I'm telling you, I'm willing to put Eric an S. Eric is the best six ranger. Eric is such a fucking asshole. I I hate Eric. Right? Like, I genuinely hate Eric.
1: He yeah. is a no, I get fucking it. mega chud. I get it.
0: But hot damn, his acting is so good. His yeah, character, and the character of adds so, so much. Yeah. yeah. He added a dynamic to the show that's never been, ex- well, it's kind of sort of been explored before, but not really, and definitely not as politically charged. Um, So this is insane shit, man. Like, Eric's an S. I-
1: Okay, I will give Eric S, but I still rank Jen at the top of this season.
0: I think Eric's better than Jen. I'll I'll give you the cut. I was gonna put Jen in A prior to us talking about it, but after discussing it with you, I would put Jen in S. The thing is, is like putting Jen in S also kind of like relates to how complex it is. The feelings you may have in regards to Jen and Wes's relationship.
1: Yes. If you can't forgive the slight awkwardness of that plot line. Because we're supposed to be you might be saying, oh, Jen's like a B. Like, uh really, like, like people who really can't forgive that might have like a totally different take. And I get that. But I think that Jen. Is like the powerful woman leader of the Power Rangers that we've kind of needed. We've hinted how many seasons, grab. How many seasons have we said, wouldn't it be cool if next season we have a woman in charge of the Rangers? Yeah. Wouldn't that be fun? And we finally get it. And honestly, she's everything that we deserve. And I mean that in a great way. I I, I don't mean that in any kind of negative light. You like, um, Jen really embodies the sometimes too hot-headed, sometimes too proud, but always upstanding leadership that we love in a great ranger leader. She really brings it, but in her own way that's unique, it's feminine, it's not the same as what's come before exactly. She really like took on an incredible amount this season and managed it. And you could decide whether we're talking about the character or the actor, <laughs> you know? Um, so that's that's why Jen is narrowly the winner for me this season in terms of Ranger ranking is because it, is everything about her character perfect? No. That's why she's low S as opposed to like high S. But what a phenomenal character, regardless.
0: I think Jen is better than Wes, which is why I can't put Wes in S, um, because I think Jen is probably like Jen for me is probably going to be the gatekeeper for S. Like, if you want to get into I S feel, tier I feel in feel my the same rankings,
1: Eric, honestly, <laughs> if you
0: if you want to get into the the S tier rankings for me, you got to be better than Jen.
1: Um, That's a
0: lot. Yeah, and that's a lot. Uh that's not that's not an easy Billy. Billy can't Billy can't pass Jen's no Jen's check. So and I love Billy. Billy's Billy's a favorite of mine, but critically,
1: nah. No. Jen is Um, complex. She's she's a badass sometimes. Like, she's just an all-around, like you really you gotta like Jen. mm Mm-hmm. A very important character and of course like another thing that solidifies that she is in fact the leader is what happens when they go back to the year 3000 she's in charge you know so like that's cool too like like jen ultimately does prove that like she's worthy to lead time force um not just a little bit but on every level yeah yeah i agree I I think in a lot of ways, she brings together like some of the best parts of uh, Red Ranger Tommy, which, of course, was flawed, but at times had good moments, like some of the best parts of Red Ranger Tommy and like some of the best parts of Andros.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a good comparison, actually. Yeah, for sure. A little bit more on Wes's character for a second. I want to talk about like he became a very inspiring Red Ranger by yeah. the end of it, through his actions. And his acting really proved on it, too, especially with his interactions with Eric as time went on. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite scenes was in the end of time, actually, when they were all duking it out in the clock tower, and Rancic was, like, laying siege to the clock tower, a la, like, Power Rangers Turbo style. And uh, the Cyclobots were invading in, and there was, like, this huge like fight that was brawl that was kicking out, and then they all crash out of the fucking they like dive out of the fucking <laughs> clock tower glass is like time for time force quantum power and they like fucking yeah. morph and shit yeah. midair yeah. and fall down and shit like you know like that scene's really cool but if like the actors that that like do that sort of shit aren't pulling it off it's just gonna be like whatever right you're just gonna be like yeah it's fucking cool whatever but like seeing wes do that shit with eric it's mad inspiring And, like, the way he interacts with other villains and his, like, sort of righteous justice that he has behind him, too, I like a lot. Um, Unfortunately, it's... That's it.
1: Uh, I I wouldn't even put it that way, necessarily. I would just say Wes would be S-tier if he didn't suck for the first, like, eight episodes.
0: (laughs) I feel like when he's not being, like, the righteous carrier of justice... He's being a sarcastic asshole, and he still kind of he still kind of shows it even all the way up to like undercover rangers, um, <laughs> and beware the night, um, yeah, uh, especially beware the night. Uh, but I, I'm not a fan of that character, and Jen is better than Wes, and yes. that, that's yep. and and like to even be frank, mm. Carter is better than Wes. Like the brief moment that Carter, yeah, was on. On the light speed crossover, I was like, Wes, I'm sorry. Carter is right there.
1: Like he doesn't beat he doesn't beat any of the best Red Rangers. He's not better than Andros. He's not better than Carter. You know what I mean? Like you, you could just debate. start you could. There's a little, just little debate working. about the Andros one, but okay. Oh come on, don't even go there. Andros <laughs> is one of the most complex, like Andros. Actually, I, I will really wage this fight because in some ways they're kind of similar, where they were okay, both okay. Red Rangers that were rapid kind of... Rapid
0: question, rapid question. What? Andros, which story was better? Andros and his sister versus uh, Wes and his father? And I want you to really hmm. think about that because you know Wes's dad in the finale that was some major plot development and we didn't touch on that either. Because the dad literally went out and searched for his son um, while the Cyclobots were rampaging around town. Because he thought that his son was dead.
1: Yeah. Um, I don't know. That's so tough honestly.
0: Because I remember, like, the last 10 episodes, ever since she got that implant, the last 10 episodes, she fucking sucked. Like, yeah. let's be honest. No, for sure,
1: for sure. Let's but be that honest. doesn't listen. Hey, just because you can narrow down some examples doesn't mean <laughs> that. just makes <laughs> Wes better. Um,
0: Astronoma had way more episodes for character development juxtaposed with her relationship against Andros versus Wes and Wes's dad, and that relationship was stronger.
1: I'm yeah, not going to say I it think, was
0: 100 times stronger or something outrageous like that, but it was stronger.
1: But I think Andros did a better job of being a flawed hero that we sometimes like and sometimes don't. I think Wes, like, his, you ultimately, like, you kind of like him by the end because, like, he's proven himself, but you always kind of have this slightly sour taste about a lot of his behavior. Andros, you can ultimately forgive him for everything that he does, but sometimes it's so frustrating in the moment. And that's, like, that's the perfect way to balance that, you know? And I think that's that's something that Wes was missing a little bit. Was that like?
0: I also think that Wes's acting is better than Andrew's acting.
1: Well, I'm not going to go there with you at all. But we'll we'll just we'll just uh, move on. To that. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> I distinctly remember Andrew's being pretty wooden at times. I know towards the end he he definitely got better about it. But yeah, no, I I I think Wes's acting was towards the end. As a leader, I felt that Wes's Red Ranger performance as a leader was better than Andros. Whether we like the fact that he's a rich kid that was born with good genes or whatever, like he still did some shit. Like he still risked his life and he still did some, like demonstrated some solidarity as he learned along the way. And it's another, and it's another Aruta Ja Naito type shit where he, it's a rich guy surrounding himself by people who don't know anything about capitalism and don't suffer from any of the effects of capitalism in their day-to-day living. And so they live in socialism, and they're not understanding of the capitalism that's going on around them. Influencing this rich guy to do praxis. Yeah. So... Like, come on. Like, we can argue this all day long, but, like, I know for a fact that, like, when we really get down to the nitty-gritty politics of it all, and, sure, we can, we can, the acting is subjective, but when we get down to the nitty-gritty politics, Wes's stuff is far more interesting as a character and more entertaining on screen than Andros. I'm not discounting the fact that Andros is an A-tier ranger in my book.
1: I I think what lets Wes down for me just a little bit is that snotty attitude you're talking about though because it's not just listen it's not just that I can't forgive him (laughs) for initially being a rich kid it's that he gives you this impression that he's learned most or some lessons but not all and it's that just i don't know it's just one of those things where it's like you 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 never really get the sense that he really learned everything that he really should have learned about how to like treat other people so
0: so i was just going to make something where i was just like he's like that guy who's like really on his shit like the 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 white the white guy the white leftist or whatever who's like really on his shit when he's like sober and everything. But when he gets, like, alcohol in him, he starts going back to his, like, ex-Nazi things and starts, cause, like, singing out <laughs> slurs and shit. <laughs> so, like, that's West. Not that West would say slurs or whatever, but just, like, you know, he gets he back on his, like, rich kid bullshit. Like, his braggadocious rich kid bullshit when he's got a couple drinks in him. Because that was definitely beware the night. Like, when they were, they were waiting on the pizza because they were drunk as shit. <laughs> yes. and Wes is yeah. over here like telling stories and shit whatever. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you're not wrong you're not wrong um, uh, yeah you just kind of get the impression from Wes that he's going to be that kind of person that's like oh I learned my lesson about class and and status and stuff but then you're like but did you give up your money and he's like let's move on <laughs> <laughs> while
0: we're still living under capitalism i would like to enjoy being a rich kid for a little bit longer thank you <laughs> uh
1: yeah so yeah that's that's i think we're overall in relative agreement but the, the, this is definitely uh complex set of characters and it's 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 not as cut and dry as some seasons where some characters are obviously just absolutely the best and others are absolutely I obviously would also, the worst you know
0: yeah let, let's let's go ahead and get started on the season review because you know I'm going to throw some light speed comparisons at you all right all right what what were your thoughts what are your closing statements and reviews on uh
1: oh you make me go first yeah on (laughs) power
0: rangers time force
1: this is so complicated i don't even know how long this recording is it's still this is a long recording (laughs) because there's a lot to say and this is this is this is the culmination of that and it's so complicated um like i was saying before Time Force succeeds in many places where I personally feel Lightspeed failed. Now, that said, we generally agreed that Lightspeed was a situation where the whole was better than in some of its parts, and you could agree- forgive some of its failings. To an extent, I feel the same way about Time Force. So, Lightspeed, you know, the villains were kind of weak. There were like the Six Ranger was kind of whatever. You know, there were some things that didn't really work out as well as they could have but who cares because it was really good overall time force the beginning's a little sloppy some of the characters are more inconsistent um but like the villains are strong the lore is strong um the concepts are big and bold and ambitious and work well how do i pick between these two it's so challenging you know and um i can really see now at the end of it why so many people like time force so much like why so many people rave about it as being really special because it is really special and there's a part of me that really wants to give it that 10 because so many things culminate here the various concepts of six ranger come together here to create eric the best six ranger he- ever um a lot of the various villain concepts come together well not ever we, we don't know in the future but so far the best six rangers so far a lot of the villain concepts come together to like have their best versions like frax's is the best betrayal in the villain team that we've ever had in the villain team you know But I don't think I can give it the 10. Because, first of all, the episode quality is just a little too inconsistent. A few of the episodes were really bad. Something to fight for is worse than any episode that we watched in Lightspeed. Uh, And I can't discredit that entirely (laughs) in my assessment. I also think that... uh, the gen west storyline although it does pay some dividends is a little awkward and wasn't really handled as best as it could be i think the crossover episode is kind of weak i think there's a few places where they kind of miss their shot however what i'm gonna end up doing and this is probably gonna frustrate you grab i'm gonna say this is a 9.5 I'm giving it the exact same score as lightspeed <laughs> okay it's another case where they almost nailed pretty much everything but a few things were left to be desired, a few things were kind of left on the table and I still feel like the series has room to grow from here.
0: Okay, so I was right on, my, on the way I was thinking in, my, in, in how I thought my opinion was going to go. I distinctly like, you can, you can try and persuade me all you want that you think uh, Time Force and light speed are the exact same scores and yada, yada, yada. But I distinctly remember recording with you in this exact same scenario over Discord and us going, <laughs> this episode's 10. This episode's like 11. This episode's 12. This episode's another 10. Okay, wait, no, I'm going to
1: stop you right now because you might recall I pushed back on the let's break the number score as much and was not in total agreement that all of those episodes were like 11s and 12s and wildly better than the average standard for 10.
0: I think it's only proven more, though. Having watched these Time Force episodes, like nothing is as pog. In this season, well, there's a cu- there's some really good, really poggy episodes in this in this season. I'm not saying that there isn't, but I'm saying that the number of poggy episodes in this season is far less than in Lightspeed Rescue. The acting, the actors are better in Lightspeed Rescue. There is a couple that are worse, right? The Sixth Ranger, far worse than Eric.
1: Sure. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. Vipra, far worse than um, Nadira. Right? Like, but those issues in Lightspeed took care of itself. (laughs) Viper fucking died. (laughs) I'm not disagreeing with you. Titanium Ranger, they were like, oh, fuck, this guy's bad at acting. Let's only give him like maybe a minute of screen time every episode then. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Like,
1: I'm not disagreeing with you that Lightspeed was extremely pog but time speed is re- or time, time sorry force. time force i've fucking we've been talking for so long i'm losing the ability to talk um <laughs> time force is so high concept
0: yes i guess and I, really, I understand
1: it really feels like it compares in some ways to in space where it kind of caps off an era to some extent and culminates a lot of the concepts of that era. It's a little less direct in the sense that it's not culminating a bunch of actual literal storylines the way in space did, but it's conceptually culminating a lot of like the last few seasons of Power Rangers basically. And yeah. I just really value the ambitiousness of it a lot. Yeah. That's that's I where I come from with it.
0: I get it. You value the concept more so than the execution because they tried.
1: Yes. And like if they had lived up to the execution of concept, then this season would be like the greatest season of Power Rangers of all times. It it would be like an 11 Mm -hmm. out of 10. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, that's that's why that's why I'm lending so much to the concepts here is because if they had nailed these concepts, this it would be hands down. No questions asked. They just didn't nail everything.
0: I can see that. I agree. As for my review, um, I don't the the episode quality is very inconsistent. Like Kennedy said, um, the Jen and West relationship doesn't sit right with me because we have to balance the the West and Jen relationship with the fact that we're supposed to care about the timeline, and it's kind of an either or. It's not a yes, both can work, type deal.
1: They ultimately do make it a both can work, but they don't they don't set that up well. Like, because it's in the a end, both can
0: work in the sense that, like, they admit that they have feelings for each other and they have that resolution.
1: Well, but they also they 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 don't try to make it a thing in the end. They just Jen goes back to her time. Wes stays in his time and they just it's bittersweet. But in the moment of a lot of the episodes as is happening, it doesn't feel like that's where they're going with it at all.
0: No, that was not the execution at all. But aside from that, like. A lot of that shit was high concept as fuck, and I loved it. And I thought that Eric, Quantum Ranger Power, all that shit was amazing. Um, I think Eric was probably the uh, ANCAP. Really, that's the ANCAP icon who then discovers, like, eventually (laughs) discovers that socialism is good. But, like, where's the rest of the cast? Like, Trip is okay. Lucas is okay. And then Katie's, like, kind of bad. But they're just not there. Like, it's just totally, like, Wes and Jen focused. The the sort of inter-crew dynamics, I don't feel, are as driven as so much so is that, like, stuff happens around them and then Wes has to respond, right? And then, like, send the team forward versus them, like, just being, like, a cohesive unit who has their own, like, stuff going on. I didn't really get that this season. I, I think you got that. Because you made the comparison to In Space, but I I I didn't get that feeling. Aside from the fact that they had the 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 outfits that were similar to In Space, I thought Lightspeed <laughs> had better uh, had better interparty party dynamics shown on screen. I also thought that the B characters in Lightspeed were better than uh, than Time Force. But that's not to say that Wes's dad is fantastic. Wes's dad is also like a doppelganger actor who played in Reaper. Uh, because the there's an actor that played the the devil in Reaper. It looks <laughs> exactly like him, and I'm like, what the fuck? But it's not the same person, apparently. But he's a good actor. Like a a, a like a couple of the like I like Circuit. Um, I think Circuit is probably like the evolution to me to the nat- like the natural evolution um from Alpha Five. Of course, I'm alone in this opinion. <laughs> and that's fine. But I I like I like circuit. I enjoy circuit's presence. <sighs> the writing. It's the writing. The writing needed to be better. Because I can't say that the moment, the moment-to-moment stuff, the action right that happens on screen is necessarily bad. It's just the writing of like the lines that are said is not like used well. And I think it's this struggle of like. Almost being too adult versus being a kid's show. So like when it veers to the adult side stuff, we're like, Pog, dude, they're being anti-capitalist, man. And then like when they slide into the kid's stuff, we're like, oh my God, what the fuck is this tonal shift? Yeah. Outside of those moments, I appreciate everything that it did. Um, and as it's kind of like a significant cultural milestone of like perfect encapsulation of end of history, yeah, right? As a yeah. sort of like holy shit, like, actually, you know, doing things because it's morally right versus profit driven is the correct thing to do. That's the message you're 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 actively getting fed when watching this show. It's not like it's something that's hidden that we're talking about as like this secret deep command economy. Lore. You know, it's not like that. It's like, no, it's actually like explicitly said and told and like discussed in the marketplace of ideas and decisions. And you see yeah. it having real life effects in the show, right? Like mm-hmm. you see like people potentially getting hurt, robbers getting away and all this other stuff because it's this battle of like the state preventing you from what's doing right due to privatization versus just doing what's right because it's the morally imperative thing to do yeah yeah so i appreciate that i give it a nine and a half as well i will say i will retroactively give my light speed rescue i remember I, I i hesitated and i gave it a nine and a half but i was like i really want to give this i ten. think you did it, didn't you I gave it a ten, but then I was just like, I think I might have to lower this to like a nine and a half. But I, I think, um, because I knew that time force was coming up, and I didn't want to be caught with my pants down, uh, so I hedged <laughs> my bets. But I, I think I was right in saying that Lightspeed is a ten, and I think it's gonna be the best we're gonna get for quite a while. <laughs> yeah,
1: I, I don't, I don't know uh, if it's gonna be a while before we reach this level of equality again we'll see i'm a little nervous about some of oh, the yeah? upcoming seasons you to wanna, some
0: extent you what are you saying uh, what are you saying kennedy but uh huh? wh- you, you but thinking I about think- giving the spd a high rating
1: is that what i'm hearing <laughs> huh? uh i i do think that there <laughs> are gonna come future seasons that culminate some of these ideas in new exciting ways again. Um and I'm excited for those to come eventually, but for now uh we're watching Wild Force, which is not not going to be that at all.
0: Oh, also uh, before okay. <laughs> before we sign out, before we sign out, I do want to say one other thing. Um <laughs> lately I've been noticing uh as the weeks go by and Kennedy and I drive further into Power Rangers madness, I really don't like Lost Galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> Like, I I know, like, we kind of ended it with, like, giving it, like, kind of, like, a 5.1, as in, like, it being slightly better than season two. And that still rings true, but I have such vitriol for that fucking season. Like, I didn't realize just how much vitriol I had for that season, but it it really does suck.
1: It sucked. Like, I couldn't understand at times why you were pogging about the Magnet Offender. And then eventually I kind of came around on, like, you know, you're right, some of these scenes with the Magnet Offender are very pog but i was also like but look at the larger shit around it (laughs) like this sucks dude and like uh, yeah the more i the more i think back on lost galaxy the more i'm like that that was awful
0: (laughs) (laughs) rangers thank you so much for listening if you liked what you heard please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers, and may the power protect you.